Hello. This is episode 8 of the podcast called Blood and Rain. I'm your host, Arthur Dane. My ancestors are smiling at me. Can you say the same? Legacy matters. Do you bring pride and honor to your surname? A disturbing trend that's being promoted in popular culture and woke politics is for people to be ashamed of their ancestors for the crimes they committed in the past. White people and anyone of Anglo-European descent are especially targeted. I cannot begin to even describe how utterly stupid this charade is. None of us are saints. We all have made bad decisions and fallen short of God's glory. Our ancestors did as well. However, that does not take away their success Namely, seeing the continuation of their bloodline all the way down to you. There are no crimes or sins your ancestors committed that are any graver than ones committed by everyone else's ancestors. Rape, war, plunder, torture, murder, carnage, conquest, pillaging, slavery. Take your pick. Every single culture, empire, and tribe involved themselves in violent, bloody, and depraved practices. To condemn somebody's ancestors is to condemn all of humanity in the past. Instead, I choose to take pride in the good my ancestors did. I can never hate or be ashamed of my father, my grandfather, or any of the men before them. After all, they're responsible for me being here now. I will not spit on their gifts. I will not deny them in front of man or God. Instead, I will love and honor them by being better than they were, and by applying the good things about them to my own character. People who are ashamed of their heritage are merely holding a mirror up to themselves and projecting their own self-shame. Pathetic. Rise and be better. Be better than your ancestors. Achieve glory they didn't in their life. Make their sacrifices count. God commands us to love our family. That doesn't just pertain to those who are still alive. Honor your ancestors by becoming the greatest man you can be. The man God has called you to be. Be the men who breaks the generational curse or curses that have plagued your bloodline and ascend to the heights that they can only dream of. By doing so, you restore any of the honor that was stripped from them or you. I come from a long line of hard, courageous men. I shall not be found wanting in this day and age. I will not be the cause of their grief and shame. What about you? And that was... My absolute favorite post from today's guest, who on Instagram many of you know as Nature Pilled, to many in a circle immediate to him, call him the High Bard of Chattistan, among other things, is a person who has been described to be made of physicalized thumos, crystallized thumos, or what have you. And that post was one that hit home for me. 
as he was speaking primarily about his grandfather. And he had a similar relationship to his grandfather as I did mine. His name is Devin Medrano, my Basque brother. Very happy to have you on the show, brother. Thank you, Arthur. I'm really happy to be here. Pleasure's all mine, man, truly. Um, you know, the way you and I started talking was the way a lot of the people in this circle started talking. And that was just sort of found each other through osmosis or through somewhat of a collective subconscious or... It's, there's many ways that it's being described. But um, I think you, the first, the first uh, encounter that you and I properly had, the first conversation, you commented on me listening to a song by the German artist uh, Christian Loeffler. And, uh, and I was like, woo! <laughs> I was like, I was like, I see your man of, see your man of culture as well. And I was like, oh, you're too kind, sir. You're too kind. And um, yeah, then you and I got to talking, and he's like, oh, I think there's a, I think there's a group of us that, you know, you could fit in quite well with. You know, this group of barbarians. And I, I took the barbarian thing a little too seriously. I said, well, I'm less of a barbarian class, and I'm more of like a. You know, probably like a knight class or an assassin or a paladin. You're like, you know, either way, you're like, woo, either way it works. And I was like, oh, okay, cool, cool, for sure, for sure. And um, it sort of got the ball roll, got the ball rolling from there. And uh, ever since then, it's it's flourished into a th- uh, into a friendship. Um, it's only been a it's only been a friendship for about six weeks. That a friendship I hold very dear because of the nature of your character, your charisma. Um, your overwhelming amount of positivity, and yeah, it's 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 uh, truly, brother. It's it's a friendship that I'm, I'm I feel blessed to have. Yeah, the feelings are mutual, man. I'm I'm filled with uh, incomprehensible gratitude for everything that I, I have in my life, and among those things, the most uh, the most precious to me are my relationships with my friends and family. It's definitely my most valued thing here on earth. That's, I would absolutely say the same. Um, you know, there are a lot of things that I think we as men, that we hold dear in solitude, and we've learned so much in solitude, and we look back at these times we were going through things alone as times that we grew, but those are just periods of time. Those are flashes in time. And... Mm-hmm. The things at the end of the day we do hold dear are the are our loved ones around us, and so many of us are becoming brothers, you know, over Instagram, over various, over Telegram, over various um, platforms of social media. That you know, I feel like when we all get to congregate in person, it's just going to be absolutely incredible. It's going to be a true materialized brotherhood, um, and I think that's I think that's what you and and Will and other people in the realm of Chattistan and you know obviously people in the solar sphere that's growing as well in this re- in this overarching renaissance of men um, I think that's what you especially you're trying to foster you're you're always the most gung-ho that I know out of everyone to be honest and I think that's always I think that's always refreshing to people yeah um, and I just seem to have a natural ability to be a hype man you could say because <laughs> I, I get really excited about something and so when I get excited about it then like my um, I'm a very energetic person I think that comes through and anyone who meets me even if it's over distance and obviously it's 
or at least it's obvious to me in my posts, I have a lot of exuberant energy, and I've, I've always been that way. I've always been like that kid who was bouncing off the walls a lot. You know, the kind where, like, your normal fluoride doctor would be like, yeah, put that kid on Ritalin. What the fuck's wrong with that kid? You know, but I... <laughs> obviously, nothing was... Obviously, nothing's wrong with me in that regard because I still have that amount of energy, but I have the emotional maturity to balance it out and know how to channel it. And so to have places, aside from like martial arts or lifting weights at the gym, but like social places where I can let that excitement out in a positive, productive manner that elevates everyone else's moods, um, I'm glad I have something I can focus it into that's good because when I would channel it into things that weren't so good, that were reckless when I was younger, created quite a lot of chaos and a lot of like pain you know for myself or for anyone in the way and um yeah i like i like bringing smiles to people's faces but not in the sense of oh i'm a fucking clown and i'm gonna wipe my ass with my own dignity but i mean just bringing more pure like a pure more sincere joy in people i like to share my joy is probably the better way to say it i have a lot of joy and a lot of positive energy in me because I put so much effort into my relationship with God and I believe that's where I draw all of this uh, love. It's essentially love. I'm sharing my love with people to different levels. Obviously, I'm going to give a, a much deeper sense of love to my family and friends versus strangers, but regardless, I like to give everyone the best of me because... Who knows, that person might need it, or I can make a friend, like a mutually reciprocal friendship out of it, but at the very least, maybe that person was having a shitty day, and if I can bring a little positivity into them, not going out of my way necessarily, but just by being myself and acknowledging them and interacting with them, then so be it, because it'd be, it'd be much, it's much better than the op option of either ignoring them or, which is also rude. I don't want to be a rude person. Yeah. I'm not very strong, but I'm not, I don't, I wouldn't consider myself rude. No, I, w I definitely wouldn't either. I mean, even when ranting about some of the nonsensical fluoride brain stuff out there, I still don't, I, don't, I still don't view that sort of side of you as rude either. I think that's just very much like wake up call America, like you're absolutely losing your minds. It's more of doing a service than being rude. Um, and you know, yeah. you, you you certainly the, the you know the bard the bard is certainly some people in the past have mistaken like you said the bard with the jester you're not gonna wipe your ass with your own dignity as you said and be a clown. It's like the bard right raises the spirit raises the warrior spirit raises the thumos. Soldiers sing songs to raise their vibration and get gear up for war as a brotherhood. And the bard would be instrument, yeah. And, and the bard would be instrumental in leading that. It it is a it is a form of wartime leader, and you know you're sort of the, that's the nexus of both your energy and your home note personality and your background, as I, I've come to know for the most part. Um, and um, people who are familiar with you, people who follow you on Instagram, know that you're a veteran. First of all, thank you for your service. First and foremost. Yeah, no worries, man. That's, you know, as a bartender, whenever I got a whiff of that, I always try to buy drinks 
for the you know for the veterans because it's it's the least I can do. I mean it's and that's not to pat my yeah. own back. I'm I'm saying that like that that should be a normal thing because not to quote Rollins for the thousandth time, but to quote Rollins for the thousandth time, it's like <laughs> you 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 want to go overseas to some war torn place and potentially get your leg blown off. You want to be an American that bad? Yeah, I'll shake your hand. So. <laughs> I really, I've actually never heard that quote from him before, but I really like that because I, I also am a huge fan of uh, Henry Rollins. Yeah, he's, uh, I mean, that, that, that's something so typical of what he said. That was actually an interview that he had with Pharrell, which was an app, one of yeah. the best interviews he's done. Um, but, mm-hmm. you know, for those, so many, many of the people listening, uh, there's going to be a lot of Chadistan folk listening to this for the obvious reasons. Um, there's going to be a lot of our mutual friends and mutual content creators listening to this for the obvious reasons. I would hope, guys. I hope you're listening. Um, but for the people who are just getting to know this fear, um, can you elaborate a bit more on your background, you know, where you grew up, um, you know, it's just maybe some of your time as a veteran, your journey of spirituality and the esoteric? Sure. Yeah. Okay, so a brief synopsis about myself. I was born in rural East Texas. Um... I do not come from money that wasn't born in an affluent family. I come from very humble beginnings. Now, we weren't homeless, but we also weren't uh, financially literate in any capacity, which leads to its own setbacks. So I grew up in a very rough and tumble childhood. Uh, Like I said before, I had an overabundance of energy and a lot of trouble channeling it. Uh, Grew up in a single-parent household, which has its own uh, with my mom. And that, uh, that damages boys in its own way. So I had a lot of the damages of a boy with uh, growing up a single mother. I was also, at the time, an only child. Well, thankfully, my mom and my stepdad when I was six, and he's still my dad. He's my, you know, the man who made me from a boy to a man. And he treats me like I'm his own son. Like, he literally loves me and treats me as if he conceived me because he treats me no different than my, uh, my half-brother who isn't really my half brother, he's just my brother, you know. I'm going to use the technical term here. Yeah. But, uh, I was very introverted as a kid because mm. of growing up with a single mom uh, for the first six years of my life. I didn't have strong male role models to initiate me into boyhood through, like, roughhousing, taking me fishing, and doing the really important confidence-building activities that boys need what we need to channel all of that fiery energy into especially the anger and the aggression that's natural in boys um my parents didn't have enough money to keep me enrolled in martial arts so i was never consistently in there uh i couldn't say consistent in little league sports either i certainly had a lot of athleticism and energy for it but the uh that combined with my small size I was a small kid growing up so and I was also a bookworm one thing I did learn to do before most of the other kids was I learned how to read first learned how to read when I was four Um, I was the first kid in my pre-k class to learn how to read and so what this led to I'm not saying this to brag but to understand me better Mm -hmm. it led to me having a deep love of reading books and I would read all sorts of books uh, fantasy books books on paleontology, zoology, I always, I always had a thing for nature, so the whole thing with me being involved with wildlife, literally since I was four years old, that's all I could ever think about first and foremost. I was also an avid fan of history, and I still am. 
And so I would live in my own head a lot, and I would live in books a lot. I had friends, but not very much. And like I, I had a lot of, uh, had a lot of social anxiety, right? Yeah. And so that led me to being a target of bigger kids, bullies. Um, sometimes I, sometimes I won. Sometimes I didn't win. Sometimes it was one on one. Sometimes it was one on two. Sometimes it was one on three, and all three of those kids were twice my size. You know, um, I wasn't afraid of a fight, but I tried not to start any. But once it was started, it's like, okay, fuck it, let's go. Like, I'm just going to hit you in the face, and going to hit me in the face, and one of us is going to drop, right? Yeah. <laughs> What's this, basically, uh, yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't a good outlet for my anger in the sense of I got in a lot of trouble. And then in high school, it got really bad, which is understandable, because now it's like, well, you're teenagers, and you can do some real damage in a fight when you've hit puberty and your bones have gotten bigger and thicker and your knuckles are raised and plus it's like you're you're the right there on the cusp yeah. of adulthood it's, it stops it stops being a rough house so yeah. I knew that I wanted to join the army oh I'm sorry go ahead I know I was just saying it. Um, the stakes are the stakes are higher it stops being rough housing basically yeah it stops being rough housing and it starts becoming um, really dangerous violence yeah so by the time I was 16, I knew I wanted to join the Army. I grew up in a rural Bible Belt Christian town. And I, growing up in that small microcosm in a town of 1,200 people, I didn't understand that what I was being told by the news was bullshit. Um, mm-hmm. I, well, it wasn't bullshit. I knew we were at war. But the reasons I just bought off the news without doing my own research. Right. And so I felt that there was a cause to commit myself to that was bigger than myself. And I wasn't some psychopath or deranged kid who was like, I'm going to go overseas and kill Haji or I'm going to, you know, just go shoot anybody. Like, I want to join the army to kill people. I wanted to join the army to help out the people who were caught in the middle who couldn't just jump to another country. I didn't think about this until I tried to the army or... Shortly before I got out of the army, rather, I was thinking to myself, looking back on my deployments, and I was like, those people don't, like, when they go home, they're still in the fucking war zone. The civilians, that is. Yeah. For us, I go there for a year, and I try to survive. Not survive, but I go back. I go back to the U.S. I go back to a place that, like, okay, we have our own crime, but we're not in a kinetic war. Yeah, it's more. And so I was thinking, like yeah. those people don't get to do that. They don't get like go where my house. Okay, my house might still get bombed. So I bought it. I bought the ticket, and I enlisted in the army. And growing up, I was a Protestant Christian. And then I got to the army, and I wasn't a Christian anymore. My faith got shattered. It was. Uh, the whole time I was in the army, I was basically living at 100 miles an hour. I deployed to Iraq when I was 19, and I went to Afghanistan when I was 21. And I volunteered for those deployments. Now, what I mean by that is I don't mean I volunteered by those deployments by enlisting in the army, which is already essential, essentially a guarantee when you're at war right. that you're going to go to war. What I mean is I didn't have to get I didn't have to get stationed at the base that I ended up toying with. I could have stayed in Oklahoma at the same base I did my artillery training and rode out the whole war and never left the state. 
But I traded orders with the kid to this unit, 3rd ID, 3rd Infantry Division in Fort Stewart, and I knew they deployed all the time. So I said, if I trade orders with this kid, I'll go to Iraq. So I did. Got back from Iraq. About a year and a half later, talking about sending, um, he's talking about sending small teams out of our battalions to Afghanistan. Iraq, we all deployed as a single battalion, actually as a whole brigade. Yeah, okay. But with Afghanistan, they were just sending little 12-man teams, cherry-picking the best of the best, and I said, I want to go. I was originally going to go get stationed in South Korea, but I didn't want to go to South Korea because I heard it was miserable, and I just had no personal interest in going. So I spoke to my... Well, first, I spoke to my first sergeant, and he turned me down three times before he said, yes, do you want to go to Afghanistan? I asked him three times. I asked him three times to send me to Afghanistan. He turned me down... The third time, he finally said yes, and I didn't realize it, but it's like, okay, you're making sure I want it bad enough. Yeah. So, finally said yes. And then branch management tried to send me to South Korea, so I went and talked to my lieutenant colonel and had him pull the strings that his rank could pull and got on the team to Afghanistan. So I was trying to go to war, which, looking back on it now, it's like, what the fuck are you thinking? <laughs> tried... You tried this hard, like you've already went through Iraq, and now you're wanting to go to Afghanistan where it's still super violent. Even SOCOM operators are dropping white flies against 13-year-olds with AK-47s and recoilless rifles. And it's like, I don't know, man. I just, I felt the call to adventure. I felt the call to adventure. I knew that I could potentially die to get shot by a sniper, could get shot by some kids bringing an AK-47 at me, could hit an IED. I also understood that there were worse things than dying. I could be a quadriplegic. For me, that would would have been worse than dying at the time. Right. And I still wouldn't want to be one. You know what I mean? It's like, how do you overcome that? It's incredible. the That kind of damage, and people do overcome it. Yeah. Where I could be one of these guys that catches third-degree burns, There, there's countless ways to get gruesomely disfigured in warfare i've seen it firsthand it's it's incredibly traumatic but i survived i survived both of my tours i came back to the states and then i got out so i had a major shift in character at the time i had given my life back to god and i was and so when you let god into your heart you start caring you start caring about the things that actually matter whereas before i cared about the wrong things i was very impulsive very immature i was getting a paycheck every two weeks and so i used that excuse to absolve a lot of my own accountability and responsibility like an idiot but giving my life back to god was what saved me because there are a lot of veterans who get out of the army um, a lot of these, now a lot of these are guys who don't get out because they're contracting. They get out because they get injured, you know, or they get severely wounded. Their mental health is too much, or maybe they get in so much trouble that they just kick them out. And so, what they had planned for a 20-year career of retiring, now they're back in the civilian sector and they don't have a plan A. And they're worse off. I did. Than injured, yeah. <laughs> I knew I wanted to go to college to be some form of wildlife major. I always knew because I was obsessed with wildlife since I was four. And I said, okay, I'm going to make it happen because I love it. I'm good at it. And 
the thought of college excites me. I don't have the same social issues I had anymore as a child in elementary and middle school. So I won't have problems approaching people, talking to people. I've already been through some of the most traumatic stuff that a man can go through. So nothing's going to happen here at school that I can't handle. Nothing at all that I can't handle, that I can't overcome, that will derail me from succeeding and doing what I want to do. And so far it hasn't. I, again, I'm not saying that it's, it's been a completely smooth road. It's had some bumps, some pitfalls, some bad decisions. Um, trusted a, the wrong people a handful of times. But I'm still pushing forward. Wow. Um. I've, I've had... I've had an unusual life. I've had an extremely intense life. I... I'm full of joy now, but what people don't see is that I sacrificed an incredible amount of pain. And I'm not saying this because I want sympathy, because I don't pity anybody, and I certainly don't pity myself, and I don't accept pity from people. But... I'm saying this so that people understand there's getting to where I got to personally was not easy for me. Not for me. Maybe for some people it is. I, I don't know. I wouldn't imagine so. But yeah. Yeah, mean, well, yeah, everyone's got their own test. Like, God tests everybody. Everyone has a test. Absolutely. It's not always the same. For some men it's clear. For some men it's, it's divorce or. Oof. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe they lost their parents at a young age. There's a lot of traumas that people go through. And it is incredibly important that people address those traumas and get them healed as soon as possible in ways that are clean and sustainable. Because currently, we have, like, you want to talk about a pandemic, it's not fucking COVID. It's not a virus with a 99.97 survival rate. The epidemic we have right now is a fucking spiritual crisis. Yeah. It's a fucking spiritual crisis, and it's a mental health crisis, and it's a physical health crisis. And the people who can't see that these three things are connected are sleepwalking through life at their own peril. The danger is, is incredibly real. Obesity is killing people on, an, on, on like a genocidal level. Thousands of people are dying from obesity and obesity-related things, diabetes, heart attacks, strokes, because they're not being fed the right propaganda and literally are not eating the right food because they've been misled their whole life to eat sweets and processed shit. And they get addicted. Spiritually, yeah. we're, we're, we're castrating the fucking church. The church the fucking neutered. And then up the very top, it's full of depraved corruption, which I'm, I'm not going to get deep into that rabbit hole because most of you already know what I'm talking about. You see my stories, you know exactly what the hell I'm talking no, about. Yeah. It's, it's, no, yeah. It's a dissertation every single day in your stories. It's fucking there. And you are going there and you're going to fucking look at it. And I'm going to look at it and we're going to fucking deal with this shit some way. And it's all tied to the mental health crisis. 
those are the those are the epidemics and so it's really important that we address our traumas and fix them and get ourselves right with god with the creator with the universe however you want to call it or conceive it you need to we all need to tap into the higher frequency of love and doing the right things and having a code of honor like striving for actual nobility we all need to collectively do that. Will that ever happen collectively? Like, as in every single person? No, I'm not stupid. But there needs to be a ratio where more people are doing it than not. Because right now, we're on the opposite end of the spectrum of this of this unbalance. Everything is terribly unbalanced. You hear all the time, they call it the upside down. We're living in an upside down time where extremely damaging patterns of behavior are not only socially accepted, they're promoted. They are promoted by universities, they're promoted by the news, they're promoted by celebrities and politicians, and so many people are so caught up in this that they don't understand they're being hoodwinked. No. And so men like no. you and I and our and our friends, our mutuals who are on the same path, we are the ones that have to wake these people up. They still have the freedom of choice. I'm not going to hold my a gun to anyone and say, no, you better fucking, you know, go convert to God. Like, I'm not a zealot. Mm-hmm. But you need to be aware. You need to be intimately aware that things can be better and that there is a an objective way to do that. It's not subjective. Just like beauty, it's not subjective. There are objective rights, which there are a multitude of, and there are objective wrongs, which there are also a multitude of. Although I will say this, it seems like there's fewer wrongs than rights, or I don't know. But either way, people need to be intimately aware yeah. of this, and then they need to make a sober choice. Which side are you on? Are you willing to promote the right things for just purely the sake of goodness? Even if you don't want to believe in God, which I think people who do that are fucking fools, but <laughs> they're free to do that. Side they're note. They're free to yeah. do that. They're, they're free to do that. I'm not anyone's, I'm no one's fucking master. I'm not going to tell you what to believe. But even if you don't want to acknowledge God, then just fucking do it for the sake of goodness. Do the right things for the sake of being a good person and knowing that society will fucking accept you. Or do you take the left-hand path, the path of darkness, depravity, no moral standards, supporting extremely depraved things like drag queen story hour, kids getting Ooh. gender reassignment surgery, yeah. the acceptance of pedophilia, the acceptance of things that fuck people up the acceptance of fast food overconsumption because the american diet leads to an early painful agonizing death not just of the body but of the soul their souls die because these people feel so insecure they feel so ugly and it's like of course you are you're 300 pounds you can't even walk through bubble gum at the same time you don't have to be that way you don't you don't have to be that way you can get fit. You can eat right, and the food tastes good. Yeah. Was... You can always be better than you are. But people have been so fucking demoralized that it's easier for them to submit 
to mediocrity and then eventually much worse. I know that we can't save everyone from the morass, but you know, you could we could potentially be saving one out of a hundred and there's billions of people in the world. You know, Scott, we got to take this one day at a time. And that's what I'm trying to do so that I maintain my energy levels because I can burn out if I focus too much on on this stuff. Like, I'm not a superhero. But this is a good thing. This is a collective because I can't imagine how lonely it would be if it was just one guy and everyone was like, oh, bro, you're fucking crazy. You know, there were guys who were lone guys from the get-go. Yeah, You know, obviously... Uh, the Invincible Way was kind of one of the first guys who splashed on the scene on Instagram. Um, he was one of the earlier guys. Mm-hmm. Forrest Munden was earlier. Um, I know Soul Brown was earlier. Howling Void's a bit older as well. Jack Donovan. Jack, well, Jack Donovan's an OG. That's a that's a that's a whole different mm. that's a whole different um, level of precursor. Yeah. But that's the actual that that's the real progenitor of the whole solar movement is Jack, man. Yeah, you know, I was just listening through through the Renaissance of Men podcast uh, with him. I'm about 45 minutes in right now, and it's that's, that's abundantly evident. I mean, as far as the... You know, I was telling Will Spencer this as well, that I was never really in the Manosphere. Like, I wasn't reading Manosphere literature because there's nothing in my life that really called for it. And when I, like, came across the sort of red pill movement, and I, was t- I was telling him this yesterday, and I... I, I found it a bit silly initially because I found it to be obvious because the way my life was set up and the way I was living my life, it was, it was, that was just a norm. Like I, I was living in isolation, but I, I knew that I was, I knew that I was living in isolation. I was abundantly okay with it because I knew it was the right path. And I grew up an only child, so that made it easier. But I can imagine if you're someone with siblings or you're someone who was typically popular or someone who had a, a big you know, big tribe around you, and then you just completely separate from the tribe. I can see how that could be abundantly difficult. To respond for a split second to just the raw thumos and positivity, that's why at the beginning of this I said, you are physical thumos. You are organic thumos of a person. I, I, I can't say that about very much. I can count that on one hand. And... The journey you went through, in tying it back to the post that you read, that is my favorite post, because you cover so many aspects of the condition of masculinity that is in the process of being healed, that's under attack, that needs to be brought back to, and it's covering a number of aspects. It's it, it, the, the, the tail end to where you're speaking about healing generational curses you see that a lot in in some feminist jargon coming from the new age side and you know what that's accurate you know not not everything about feminism is complete absolute heresy that is meant to drive women into ruin right that's nothing nothing really exists in purity like that um but that's that's more of a feminine trait thinking of i'm i'm healing the generational trauma i'm healing um I'm healing not only the generational trauma, the ancestral trauma, the my nation's trauma, my 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 ethnic origins trauma. 
you know that that's more of a feminine like typically seen as feminine ideal but you're also talking about taking action you're also talking about making deliberate choices to do the things that your ancestors never got to do you're talking about making deliberate choices of being better men so you're talking about these very direct masculine things and you're talking about more of these indirect things that are going to heal the man from within and enable him to do all these to make all these deliberate choices much easier and much sharper and much more precise and while being much more awake and you know that radiates within you because you lived that life like those words you're speaking about your grandfather you're speaking about this condition this this disease that's being spread that you're supposed to you're supposed to hate where you came from all of a sudden you're supposed to hate yourself and because you know there was you know there was a slave in this country that's for the longest time this country tried to ignore that and there was you know there was Jim Crow up until the 60s like let's not let's not pretend this movement like the reason why this is happening to people of European background is happening in a vacuum but at the same time it doesn't mean that this complete extreme wrong counterbalance is okay that okay so right so people of African descent who were shipped to this country and in slavery for 400 years they were basically taught through physical abuse and a life of, of slavery that they they're supposed to hate themselves now that's obviously a much more difficult effort of towards pushing someone to hate themselves but at the same time now that's saying like okay now white now it's white people's turn to hate themselves you, you really think you can't have a coexisting society where you can help foster your fellow man you can help learn from one another you can heal one another without having to pay with you starting to hate yourself where's that gonna lead that's gonna lead that's gonna lead to absolute ruin that's going to lead to mass mental illness. That's going to lead to suicide. That's going to lead to people. That's oh, yeah. going to that's going to lead to actual white supremacy. That's going to lead to white supremacy in mass, which is the exact opposite of what we need in this country. It's the exact opposite of what we need in a number of situations. And you and I have spoken about this. We've bumped into like, oh, we thought it was, we thought this was a European culture group, and then you join a group chat, and it's horrendously racist. And so you're you're calling out all these things. Yeah. That yeah, are absolutely. It's just you, you're calling out all of these things that the powers that be, the sort of anti-human powers that are pitting everyone against each other. You're calling out all these methods as saying, no, this is this is bullshit. We're, we have the same oppressor at this point. You know, K- Killer Mike, um, you know, part of the duo of Run the Jewels, is talking about yeah. this. He says. You know, go 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 find a man of another race in your neighborhood. Bring each other some food. Sit down, have a conversation. You're going to talk more and more and more and more, and you're going to realize that you have the same oppressor. the The Caucasian man in West rural West Virginia has the same oppressor as the African American yeah. man in you know the inner city in Chicago or Atlanta. So you're you're both directly and indirectly yeah. speaking upon these divide-and-conquer tactics that are pushing people towards this physical ruin, this obesity, this poisoning of the self, this, this poisoning of the body, this poisoning of the mind, and therefore the poisoning of the spirit, and ultimately death, and ultimately bad trauma being passed down to the next person and having to break out of that cycle. You're calling for everyone to break out of this cycle now. And that is just... It, it can't even yeah. be said how important that is. And your life has reflected that. 
you sought out adventure, you also sought out conflict. And then you had to deal with the aftermath of that conflict. And the person I'm facing right now, the person I'm speaking with right now, is radiating nothing but light coming from an unshakable foundation of truth through trial and error. And that's... If, if, if more men can live like that, uh, I think there's a one unspeakably beautiful future ahead of us. You're the embodiment of that. I believe so. Yeah. Plain and simple. I I don't advocate anyone take the direct path I took, especially in the military. Not only because of how fucked up the military has become culturally, but also I'm I'm intact. You know. Yeah. I know guys who got their fucking nuts blown off, got their testicles blown off with their legs. I know guys who have pieces of micro shrapnel in them that they can't get out of them surgically, and these guys are in pain, physical pain, on an 8 out of 10 or above higher severity every day. So they are hooked on opioids. The suicide rate of the military is atrocious. I am not a normal veteran in in as much as the rate that I have recovered from my trauma. So I don't want to misguide people and lead them to falsely believe that they too can go enlist in a combat role in a branch that is dedicated to terrestrial warfare and think that they're going to get the same deal at the very end. It's like you might get your fucking leg blown off. You might get assaulted by your own teammates. You might be a POW. There are. Yeah, you might be a prisoner of war, exactly. Yeah. You might drown in a canal and put upside down a farmer Humvee. You might get caught up witnessing a fucking war crime that you aren't supposed to see and you get fratricided. Oof. Shit happens. Dark, incredibly dark shit happens when you sign up to be a professional killer. So I don't advocate personally that people join the military. If they want to, I can't fucking stop you. Right. But there are many times as a soldier that I could have died because you might not make it out. That's... However, I will say this. There are different paths to being a warrior. There are different trials that don't drag you through the spiritual quagmire that my journey did that you can still do the sky's the limit as far as that if you want to harden yourself there are other ways to do it that are much better for you like I said I learned everything the hard way you don't have to yes it's funny one of my best friends he's again I'm speaking to Will about this um, he was a roommate of mine who was he um he was in the Marines and he served he served in Iraq and he served in Afghanistan like yourself, and he um he said to me and he got into all kinds of trouble he got into all kinds of trouble growing up like police involved and whatnot, and he he says, you know I learned everything the hard way I insist upon it, and I was like yeah I fucking know you do, <laughs> um. And in a, in a lot of ways, like, 
when I like my 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 thought process, and he, I even said this in the the Scroll of Blood and Rain episode. The choice is made. The first is the morally right choice. After that, it's either the smart or the hard choice. Now I will yeah. pick. I will pick something deliberately harder for a greater return of growth. Absolutely, and that's a very masculine cornerstone that we need to get back to. But I like what you're saying about the military in the sense that, hey, I got out of the military scat-free in terms of my body's intact. You didn't go through seeing this war crime that you weren't supposed to see. You didn't go through. You didn't go through any of these things that you just mentioned that are absolutely harrowing circumstances. Mm-hmm. And you know, if you if you hear the accounts of any World War II veteran, you hear the accounts of. Ronald Spears or Dick Winters or, you know, these people you see in Band of Brothers. Or even you go higher up, you, speak, you hear some of the quotes from Eisenhower or Marshall. Um, not so much MacArthur, he's a bit of a different personality. But um, they basically say that, like, true warriors aren't hoping for war. They're preparing for the absolute worst, but they're hoping constantly for peacetime. So, yeah. and you, you, you've advocated for this on your Instagram stories multiple times, like... You've told people, you know, I don't think the army's the way anymore. There are plenty of other ways domestically that you can prepare yourself for combat if the need arises. But you don't need to sign a contract to go to some remote part of the world and not be fully clear on why it is that you're there and potentially lose your life or worse, lose a limb or have your face burnt off, as he mentioned. So I like the fact that you said, this, this is my path, and this is what I went through, and it's an amazing path, and it's an amazing story, and this is how I got to where I'm at, but don't think that you can just replicate a carbon copy of my path, because you can't. Plain and simple. Exactly, yeah. Everyone's, everyone's experience in the military is different. Even if you experience literally the same battle, the same skirmish, the same... Uh, you know, the same unit that you're in, it's like your consequences may be more dire than you can survive. Yeah, you know, and this, there's that whole fallacy, God gives you, God doesn't give you things you can't handle. Uh, I don't think so, man. <laughs> well, I mean, it depends on what, like you said, the moral choice. If you're making the wrong moral choices, eventually God's going to give you something you can't handle and it's going to fucking devour you. Yeah. It, it will devour you. And listen, I'm not advocating that men play it safe because we're not physically built for fucking safety. No. I'm saying play it smart. Yeah. Because one thing I realized at the end of my army career was I can only serve one master. I can serve God or I can serve the government. There's not room for two because it doesn't feel right and because God doesn't allow that, but also the government won't allow that. So... As a soldier, professionally, I wasn't no more of use to the army. I couldn't fucking do it anymore. I knew too much. I'd seen the truth, and I'd pierced the veil, and I started caring again, and I started caring for the greater good, and and, and I just couldn't be in this culture of hedonism and bloodshed. I was was done with it. I, I had my fucking fill several times over. You know, I actually was in a Marine Corps recruiting office three times. Two of which, I almost signed the dotted line. Mm-hmm. And I had, um... You know, I'm glad this... you did it, man. Uh, I think you would have made a good Marine based on your mindset. Like, you have the discipline. 
you definitely have the discipline and the hardihood to be a soldier or a marine as far as you're not going to run away you're going to run towards the danger thank you but thankfully you didn't have to go through the amount of like government abuse as a human piece of like government equipment <laughs> you know and you know that that's that that's what I'm ultimately like, I'm, not telling guys, I'm not telling guys not to join the military it's like hey i just want you to be a pussy so i'm going to look like look man uh you always end up taking more fucking abuse and, and, and bullshit than you really should, like, then it's healthy for you. Like, don't, like, it's toxic and it's fucking unnecessary. It's like, don't even fucking bother. Like, don't fucking bother. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I was telling people, like, don't fucking do what I did. And we're like, okay, if you want to do what I'm doing now, there's some merit in that. But what I did back then, it's like, <laughs> I can't promise you're gonna fucking recover from that. <laughs> I mean, I, uh, I can't guarantee anything, man. Yeah, and you know what? Anyone who says they can guarantee anything is an absolute fucking liar. It's too volatile. It's yeah, too unpredictable. Yeah. Um, you know that that that's sort of the, um, you know, I don't want to say it's a meme because I don't think it's a meme, but it's like the trope of the sleazy recruiter that exists. That's a real thing. That's not a that's not a myth. It, it is. It, it, yeah, it is. I was very lucky. My recruiter was actually a noble guy. He was actually a very honest, sincere guy, but I had seen other recruiters where it's like, you fucking snake. And I knew some guys that I uh, that I served with later on, and they ended up becoming recruiters. And, and all I could think to myself was like, man, I fucking hope you grow a moral compass by the time you go to recruit kids. Uh, and you know, so someone, a close friend of mine out in Oakland, she was saying that, you know, I'm disgusted when I see army recruiters in high schools in East Oakland preying on boys who don't have an out and thinking, oh, they yeah. have an out and like they, they get thrown into something that they feel is even worse. I mean, some may get, some may get a benefit from it. Some, some could be thrown in an environment that is better. But a lot of the time they feel like, oh, man, I went from East Oakland to something far a hell far worse than i could have possibly imagined um yeah and again this isn't you know so i had this i had this conversation with my roommate my close friend it wasn't the marines and i said you know i you know i would i kind of want to be a seal like that that would be an amazing achievement and he said to me well okay so yeah i would yeah, it, it, there, there's no way around like becoming a seal. Like the achievement of getting there is is incredible. It's 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 an amazing feat, and it's something yeah. that I wanted to test myself. But that was that that right there is the problem. And he sees outside. We're outside the bar we we're working at. I'm off. He's about to get off, and he's smoking a cigarette. And he's like, "Okay, Arthur. Okay. All right. Here's the thing. Like, I've met two people in my life who could become a seal." One of them is in the military, and one of them is you. Now, should you become, should you try to go be a SEAL? Do you want to do that job? Like, do you actually want to do the job of being a, uh, being a Navy SEAL? Or do you just, because I, I know you, do you just want to go through the ordeal? I'm like, you know, more so I want to go through the ordeal. It's like, that's not a reason to do it, first and foremost. <laughs> second of all, <laughs> he's like, second of all, 
it, you could go through. He's like, this is a this is like a more technical thing. He's like, you could go through the navy, and if it doesn't work out, you're stuck. You're stuck on some gray behemoth in the middle of the ocean. And it's fucking miserable. Now you could go. You, yeah. th- there are marines who get a billet. They, they or whatever, whatever. I forget the exact terminology. Who do get the opportunity to go into butts? Even though the marines, it's like there are marine mm-hmm. seals. I know them personally. Anyone, any recruiter who tells you otherwise is lying to you. Um, so he's like, that's a technical thing. Now, speaking to you of where you're at now, do I think you should go in the military? No, because you're going to call things out that are stupid, and you can't do that. And there's no, there's no opting out. You are stuck in that four-year contract. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and he's like, "Was yeah, it?" You gotta tell the fucking line, man. You gotta, you gotta tell the line in the military, even if it doesn't make logical sense. Like, I've really been told by um, some not so noble leaders, it's like, "Hey, I don't pay you to think." Yeah, it's like you do as you're <laughs> fucking told. You're <laughs> you a follow gr- order, not to think your own thoughts, or you know, do it the same not as I do. A lot of that is just like, "Oh, come on, man." <laughs> He, 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 he told me that he, he was under this lieutenant, I think he was a sergeant at the time, and he said, this fu-, he's like smoking a cigarette, he's just really getting into this, this whole story, he's like, this fuck, he combed his hair like he was some wannabe Abercrombie model whose daddy's trying to get him into Harvard, and it was all about him, and he's like, oh, you know what, if you want to talk back to me, then you can build this, you build, build something, like build some barricade or build some wall throughout the night, and then tear it back down, he's like, you know what, I am going to do that, just, 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 just to spite him, and I can see you wanting to do that, and that's why I'm saying, you know what, maybe if you were 18, like I did it, like I was a punk and I needed to go through that, fine, but... You've gotten past your punk phase differently, and now I think you're at a point where it, it, it wouldn't work. Um, it was it, the, the conversation itself was hilarious, but it revealed a lot to me. And every time, it's it's funny. The only the only Marine that I mm-hmm. met who was just super had no negatives to say about the Marines was the guy who was dishonorably discharged. And it was like, mm. that's that's interesting to me. The guys who... <laughs> <laughs> and he was, I was like, like, that's interesting because... My God, man, that just... <laughs> it says it all, really, you know? You always gotta wonder, well, okay, did you, were you actually a bad Marine? Like, were you a bad person? Or did you just get caught up in the wrong chain of command and they actually fucked you over? You'll, you'll never know the truth. No, you won't. There's, there's no yeah, way of knowing. I mean, I mean, I mean, you can discern their character afterwards and know if they're a good person. But it's like, but what about the time you were in? Were you a different man? And it's like, who the fuck knows? I have absolutely no idea. <laughs> and yeah, see, you have the, you have the thing that there are a lot of good things I got out of the army. So I don't regret it. I don't advocate anyone else do it, but I don't personally regret it. I, I don't have time for regret. Right. The silver lining for me was it gave me a very necessary structure of discipline and physical toughness that is far beyond the average man or civilian. The average civilian, rather. Um, but you already had found that. You had already started your own warrior course, and so for you, the military is not necessary. You already have the discipline. You have the drive. You have the ability to adhere to a way of life that would break most people 
you can do so much with so little so you don't need it like honestly you don't need it you already have the discipline you already have the toughness you already have the ability to dial yourself in so yeah man you honestly guys like yourself no you don't need the military like I said there's so many other ways to take the path of a warrior you don't have to work for a corrupted government thank you first of all and and i that that was really the main reason why i didn't sign the dotted line it's like you know if this country's under attack i'm going to sign the dotted line before in in the gap of a split second i'll sign that dotted line if this country's literally under attack that that's that's different Mm -hmm. you know world war one world war two it's that's like all right like this there's a lot at stake like, this is what we got to do, but I felt with the conflicts that we were involved in, they're involved with now, and I can't, I'm, I haven't spoken to any intelligence officers, I don't know what's really going on, so maybe it is completely righteous, or maybe it isn't, but I couldn't really discern, it's like, well, why, why are we in the Middle East, why have we been there for so long, you start to question, and I don't want to go there questioning, I want to go there being sure. Um, and that was the other yeah. thing he said. He's like, it sounds like you're questioning a lot about it already, and you need to go there being sure, or you're going to get killed. Um, yeah. And so, and okay, so let's let's have one gigantic caveat real quick. We're not ripping on the military. We're not ripping on anyone who's served in the military. Quite the opposite. I have, I'm sure both of us. I'll, I, I'll, rip, I'll rip on the people. I will rip on the shitbags. I will rip on the shitbag people where it's like, hey, look, you had a fucking choice and you cho- you chose to do something fucking, in some cases, unforgivable. Um, in other cases, it's just like, what the fuck, dude? But I met a lot of noble men who were good and are still good men. There are a lot of good men in the military. Yeah. There are. Absolutely. The problem is, is that there is also a large quantity of bad men you don't join the military without being around psychopaths and sociopaths men who are born this way and they're almost a necessary evil because those are the guys in warfare who have no emotional qualms about killing people because unfortunately in warfare collateral damage is unavoidable right and if everybody had a conscience in war then no soldier would pull the trigger no you know that's just how it is uh if a recruiter tells you different they're full of shit Things happen in those moments that they don't show you on TV. Men piss and shit themselves all the time. Guys freeze up. Um, I don't care what you see on television. It's much worse when you hear the fucking screams yourself and you can taste and smell the blood, the violence. There is nothing that feels like that. It is frightening. It is absolutely frightening. It reveals something in you that nothing else can reveal. You really find out what kind of fucking man you are. You find out if you can act under fear. You find out if you're. You find out how courageous you are. It's physical courage. Your body is on the line, and it's spiritual courage because your soul is in your body, and it's mental courage because your mind is in your fucking body. It is all around courage. It is the ultimate test of courage, rather. So, 
you'll find out if you freeze or not. And I've known some hard fucking guys who have frozen, and I've known some guys that I thought were froze, and they fucking, they, they stepped up. They impressed. I, the only silver lining about warfare is that you will see acts of gallantry that are just breathtaking. I personally haven't seen that because I haven't been in, like, these fucking monster pitch battles like you see you know on d-day for example i i have not been on anything of that scope um the few things i got involved in were very brief very brief moments of fighting violence but i have met a lot of incredibly brave men in the military that i still know that i'm still in touch with on a daily basis so you can meet some incredible people and for those of you know veterans it's real hit or miss. Some, some men wore the uniform to the standard, meaning the moral standard. They followed the honor code to the best of their ability, and then some didn't live up to the standard. Guys didn't live up to the standards. It's like, hey, look, uh, those are typically the guys that you get so in valor issues with. They like to dig up their service. And for those guys, I will call them out. It's like, look, man, put fucking lines, all right? Like, yeah, same absurd, but that's not all there is to you. And I'll say this to the guys who can't seem to let that shit go. You gotta fucking let that shit go, man. That's not all there is to you. There are a certain... There's a certain percentage of veterans where when they get out, they're like that burned-out high school jock who never shuts the fuck up about what a star star quarterback or wrestler he was, (laughs) but he never had any problems beyond that. And it's like, yeah, dude, you were like the shit as a senior in high school, or you were the shit when we were in the Army, but what the fuck are you doing now, dude? What are you doing now? Growth doesn't stop. Growth does not stop. No one gives a fuck what you did a year ago. No one gives a fuck what I did a year ago either, except for me. Because I'm the only person obligated to care about my accomplishments. You have to keep fucking going on. These guys aren't... They're limiting themselves. Have a plan B, have a plan C, fucking do something, keep building accomplishments, keep enriching yourself, keep building your value to be valuable to yourself so that you don't end up at the bottom of a bo- at the bottom of a bottle or with a gun in your fucking mouth, because again the suicide issue is, is very real in the military and I'm not a believer of the twenty two push up today. It's like no call and text your friends who are in the military you might be interrupting them while they're on their work or you could be talking them off the fucking edge and you didn't know it there has been a handful of times where i've had to talk one of my friends or my subordinates that i had served in the military from fucking killing themselves i'm not saying this to fucking brag I wish this shit had never fucking happened. I wish none of my friends ever got to a fucking point where they were considering and planning to end their fucking life. That shit gives me anxiety on a massive level because what if I can't talk them off? And some people, when they're going to commit suicide, you can't fucking stop them. Yeah. Because I've also had men that I've known who have taken their own lives. And, and so that's, for me personally, that's a huge... That's a huge thing that I have at stake here on a personal, like, I guess you can call it my own personal crusade is uh, 
trying to help men realize, and, and, and for a lot of them veterans, because I'm a veteran myself, like, we've got to keep fucking going forward. Quit living in the fucking past. That shit's depressing because no matter how bad we want it, it's not coming back. But you can do something over in the fucking present, but it's only going to work like that if you can fucking see it that way. Yeah, maybe the opportunity will be with a different girl. Maybe the opportunity will be with a different job. Maybe it'll be with a different path in life, a different fucking faith. But you're not gonna go. You're not gonna go be able to do it again with that same person or that same job, that same lifestyle, that same physical location. You can move forward and still get to redo shit, but you'll never be able to fucking do it when your head suck up your fucking ass and you don't let shit go. Well said. I thanks, man. I rant way too much. If I ever go off on a tangent, you're more than welcome to tell me to shut up. <laughs> no, you're the guest. I want you to speak far more than I want to speak. That's that's how it is, plain and simple. Um. You know. See, I I don't like. You can speak on the veteran community. You can speak on the good, the bad, and the ugly of the people you encounter in the community. To me, I just look at these people having not having not signed the dotted line, having not done four years of however much longer, and saying, well, no matter who you are, you did the act of serving your country uh, at the highest stakes. And it's like, okay, well... Well, he was just an engineer in the, the military. Okay, well, I don't know that. All right, sure, whatever. I'm, I'm still going to assume that all of them signed the dotted line to make that sacrifice. But you can speak to the inner nuances. You can speak to you can speak on the good, the bad, the ugly. You can speak on the reasons to join and the reasons not to join. You can speak on all these things, and I'm glad because I can armchair analyze all of these things and I can talk about my personal experience like I just mentioned why I didn't join but you can you can actually lay it all out from the inside which is why I'm very thankful one of a plethora of reasons I'm very thankful to have you on this podcast um but I I think what you said inadvertently or indirectly you basically said that the more important thing, whether you choose the military or not, is you cultivate that warrior spirit. You cultivate that discipline. Mm-hmm. You cultivate that toughness. You cultivate that muscle of overcoming. You cultivate the muscle to seek honor. You basically cultivate all the positives personally of a warrior spirit in one way or another. Like, you mentioned Jack Donovan. I'm, I'm 45 minutes through that podcast with um, with Will Spencer, Renaissance of Men. And, you know, he, he, he touched upon it. It's like, I'm not a military guy. I went to art school in the 90s. And it's like, I'm, I'm fighting this culture war. Like, I can't speak of the military, but... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but, but he's, he's talking about... He's, talk, he's talking about how... You know, he's like, in one way or another, he's talking about cultivating a warrior spirit within himself. And he's talking, like, the opening monologue, he's speaking on 
rituals of rites of passage for becoming men. And he mentions, um, I don't want to spoil the complete podcast um, right here, right now. But he, he, he speaks on, you know, the scene in 300 where young Leonidas goes through the trial of, I believe it's killing a wolf um, to become a man, to become a Spartan. But, you know, for the people yeah. who aren't living... Mm-hmm. You the people who aren't in the military. I was telling, I was, I was telling um, Evil Academy on his podcast that I tried the, the protocols I released on the Blood and Rain Instagram. That's part of me trying to live my life as disciplined and as martially as possible, especially being a martial artist. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I, th- I think being a martial artist these days, it's like martial arts has advanced far quicker in the past. Um, 28 years than it has for decades and decades and, and centuries at a time because they oh, yeah. got they, they got everyone in a cage and they started figuring out what works and what doesn't work at least in the at least in the standpoint of a fight sport where you're not going to aim for the eyes you're not going to aim for the trachea you're not going to try to deliberately mm. aim for joints and whatnot all these smaller weaker targets so martial arts mm. is advancing but what's being lost is the honor title, what's being lost is the reverence, what's being lost is that origin that it is a military tradition. It's a martial art. And some people get really tied to the artist standpoint, and your Jackie Chans, your Jet Lees, and your um, Donnie Yens, and just incredible, incredible martial artists, especially. Um, and then you have the guys who are like, I'm a fighter. Like, no, I, I'm a competitive fighter. Um, mm-hmm. But what drew me, part of what drew me was, it's it's like a personal practice that I am wholeheartedly accountable for day in and day out without any, you know, without any complex of millions of people strong telling me every single day that I need to live a certain way. Mm-hmm. I need to live more. No, I have to cultivate that myself. It's a self-starting discipline. It wasn't a discipline that was forced upon me and then became part of my nature. Um, so I think you advocating for that, like as you, as you have both directly and indirectly, I think that sets the foundation for man. I think that sets the foundation. It, like you, you have this foundation in your story of the military, and then you you got you got home, and you went through this. That you you had your faith shattered, and you eventually found your way back to God. You know, I think. I'm not going to speak for everyone because I think there's exceptions to every rule, but I think it'd be greatly beneficial for anyone listening who's trying to seek this path, who's trying to cultivate their masculinity, who's trying to be the best man they possibly can be, who wants to join the military or do something of that regard, but, but realizing some of the pitfalls that you've mentioned and deciding against it, that they can have this foundation of cultivating discipline, cultivating mental toughness, cultivating a martial way of life within themselves as a foundation. So then they can sort of get through the spiritual and the esoteric because they have their feet firmly on the ground so then they can have their heads in the clouds without getting completely swept away. So what they're receiving with their heads in the clouds is true because their feet are still on the ground. And that's another thing you embody personally, wholeheartedly. With, with every ounce of your being, and it, it just radiates to all the people around you. And I want I want to shift gears on that matter. Sort of, please share to the extent in which you're comfortable. 
what this, at least what the essence was or the process was of you returning to faith, returning to God, and some of the esoteric practices and occurrences that may have tied to that, that may have happened along the way. So, like I said, it's it's impossible to serve two masters, or for me it was at least. So, after my faith had cracked, I said I was raised a Protestant Christian, um, my faith had cracked in the army my first court, and I essentially just became agnostic, it was very hedonistic. Uh, the things that soldiers do hedonistically aren't any different to what kids in college do hedonistically. Drugs, sex, partying, rock and roll, all that jazz. Like I said, living 100 miles an hour with no moral breaks to hit. The problem was that being removed from God, I couldn't sustain this energy. So, hit rock bottom. And just when I thought... When I believed that I personally was beyond saving, my self-esteem was, you know, down in the pits along with me, along with everything, right? Everything was broken, my hope, my faith, uh, happiness, joy, just a very, very toxically angry person, right? And uh, part of that was from my tours, the PTSD that I developed from my tours. I just had trouble keeping it all together. But I felt God's presence. I felt God pull me out of the darkness. And from there on out, I quit alcohol cold turkey. I stopped watching porn. I stopped going to the bar, singing around bad company. I started changing the dialogue that I would have in my own head. I decided to finally align myself with God and walk that path again. And so I would pray on a daily basis. I still pray on a daily basis. Um, I have learned to weave in physical fitness as part of my spiritual religious practice, meaning that God gave me this body. It says this in multiple faiths in Christianity and Islam and Judaism. And, um, I'm sure there's something in Buddhism about it, too. I'm not familiar with the Eastern philosophies and religions. Mm-hmm. But when you look at Shaolin monks, they're extremely fit men. They're very lean. They're very muscular, they're very strong, they can punch through bricks and play pots. So there's obviously something in Eastern, uh, or at least in Buddhism, where, hey, your body's a temple, treat your body right. And so that's why I eat whole foods. It's why I don't drink alcohol. It's why I don't, like, I don't snort cocaine. I don't take crystal meth. I don't take over-the-counter pharmaceutical medications. I'm very, I've become very holistic in how I live. And I believe in treating people with kindness, but what I'm not is why a lot of Christians in the in the United States and possibly entirely Western civilization have become, which are neutered pacifists who have deemed themselves martyrs. I will not turn the other cheek. At the end of the day, I'm a man, and I'm still I'm still a trained killer. I still have anger in me. I'm capable of wrath, and I'm capable of extreme violence. I never stopped being dangerous. In fact, I'm more dangerous now than I ever was. But I'm grounded in love. I'm grounded in politeness. But I won't let people push me around. I still have that warrior mentality because God had men who were warriors for him. You read any scripture. Again, Shaolin monks, right? These people are the ultimate pacifists. But 
you go put your hands on a Buddhist monk and try to wring his neck and see what happens. You'll probably get a fucking hole punched in you. Good luck to you. And that's, yeah. um, for a lot of men in Abrahamic faiths and Judaism, Islam, and Christianity, a lot of these men currently, they're not putting a lot of effort towards their physical fitness. You're kind of seeing it now, especially with, like, Catholics. They're starting to, you know, have the, you see, like, a lot of the aesthetics of, like, the Templar knife and the Teutonic knife and stuff like that. And for sure, some of them are just marking. It's like, yeah, I bet you're this skinny fat thing who spends too much time on Reddit, but some of those guys <laughs> are the real fucking deal. Like, they'll post physique, and it's like, yeah, that guy's fucking dead. That guy really is a fucking crusader. Like, you throw him back 700 years ago, he'd be in plate armor with a sword. He'd be a paladin. We're, we're starting to see a, a masculine injection into these three faiths again, but it needs to happen on a exponential level. You know, it's like, did you forget that your ancestors were either Saracens or Crusaders, and they used to go to war for God? You know, they used to literally die for, for a holy cause. I'm not saying that we need another crusade again, because we have the same oppressor. Muslims... Christians and Jews have the same fucking oppressor. It's this, it's the fucking Satanism that is rampant in elite society. Mm -hmm. And it's not just rampant in fucking elite society. Let's go and make a clear uh, statement here. Satanism is on every fucking level of society. And And it's infiltrated every church. Literally church of Satan, but also, I'm also saying Satanism in a more general statement, depravity. And it's also the same movie that a lot of pagans are facing, too. Mm-hmm. You know, medieval Christianity would tell you that anybody who wasn't a Christian is automatically a heretic, a pagan, a fucking devil. They should be killed automatically. And medieval Islam would have you believe the same thing. But in reality, in my own fucking experiences, I have met men from pagan beliefs, Muslims, Christians, and Jews, who are good, righteous, pious people. And we all have the same fucking enemy we all have the same fucking enemy it's the same fucking enemy that's promoting drag queen story hour they're trying to tell their parents to let their kids get gender reassignment surgeries they're the people who are pushing fast food and fucking cockroach diets you got this one asshole who wants to literally dim the fucking sun that's our fucking enemy right there it's the guy who is trying to fucking cut us off from the source. The source is God. He's trying to cut us off from it. That's the fucking enemy. The enemy is... Uh, you can call it fucking Satan, Lucifer, whatever fucking evil deity or evil dark god that you know it as. It's the same fucking thing. That's what we're fighting against. If the conflict is between the light and the dark. It is not between white people and black people. It is not between fucking right wing and left wing or Republicans and Democrats. Y'all are not, like, the people who believe that shit, you're not fucking seeing the force for the truth. You need to wake the fuck up and see what the fucking enemy really is. The enemy is evil people. It's evil versus good. It's a fucking tale as old as time. And, and, and it's that simple and it's that fucking complex and it is that metaphysical and it is that supernatural you i mean sooner or later if you haven't seen it already you're gonna fucking see it you won't pretty soon won't be able to look away so now is the fucking time to sum up your fucking courage 
For those of you who are still on the fucking fence, the fence is about to be pulled out from underneath you. And you're going to have to fucking choose. You're going to have to choose. You better do it of your own free will so that at least whatever reward comes out of it is your reward, but also understand that whatever consequence comes from it is yours as well, but at least you are free. You are free because you made your own choice, and that's what fucking matters. I couldn't have put it better myself. And it takes a lot of courage to do these things. My uh, bullshit meter is full, man. Like, my (laughs) fucking bullshit meter is past expired. I'm so... I'm, I'm angry at seeing the way that people are getting fucking treated by the elite, by uh, by the government, and I'm sick of seeing the way that people are treating each other unnecessarily because they chose one political side or another, or because this one person supports this fucking president and that president. It's like, who fucking cares, man? Just fucking be nice to each other, make good choices, and, and, and take responsibility for your fucking self. Don't get in shape, eat right, treat people right, be smart. Don't get tied up in the cult of personality of the famous people. They don't fucking care about you. No. They like don't. Their, and their accomplishments are not your fucking accomplishments, by the way. But guess what? Their fucking failures aren't your failures either. No, they're not. And... You know, to build on this, what you're saying, that we need to make... For those of you who haven't chosen... For those of you on the fence, the fence is going to be pulled out from under you. You're going to need to choose one side or the other. That time is coming. I can't, I don't, I don't think any of us can really tell when that time truly will be fully manifested. In a physical standpoint, in a physical realm. Uh, I would guess it would be in the next decade. But again, none of us can really know, but we know it's coming, and we know we can be far more prepared by making this choice now than being on the fence for years more at a time. Um, To build on what you're saying and making choices, I tagged you, I tagged Will, Flomotus, Letters from the Ruins, Forrest Munden, Evil Academy, Nature Chad... Joe Abra, you name it, People of the Fields, Neo Libertade, Greater Myth, all these guys. In a post that I wrote right after you and I had a conversation. And it, it does pertain to this. And you and I were discussing, you know, the, the political the political degeneracy, there's like political agendas being put out by these entities that are anti human, as you're saying, like you can you can choose the name of whatever dark evil entity you want. This overlord of good of of evil in this war against the good. Mm. But pick 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 whichever name you want. But it's not just a political war. The golden one, you know, he's he's been zucked. Uh, but he's he's on Telegram and he's on Patreon, you know. And and I think a couple other alternative social medias. I believe I believe he's trying to advocate for Gab. I haven't looked into that to be honest. But yeah, his content is great. I really like that guy. Oh yeah, that guy is. He's awesome. Yeah, he's so reverent and so old school. Like mm-hmm. honestly, when I first heard him, when I first heard him speak, I'm like, is this guy for real? And then it's, 
Like, he has, like, the very, uh, just elegant, beautiful Nordic music, and then he's like, greetings. I'm just like, what the... And then, like, over time, like, I'm like, oh, no, he's he's channeling his ancestry. He's, like, he's bringing the renaissance yeah. of his of his of his lineage and i was like okay cool i can get behind this wholeheartedly absolutely um absolutely but you know and i i, I spoke i spoke to at a public platform i spoke to will spencer about this mm-hmm. um but the same thing that i that you and i figured out in conversation that so a lot of people like the golden one and other content creators are talking about the 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 political war being downstream from the culture war so the culture war meaning, you know, you post physique, you post, you, you flood, you flood the world with this, with this counter propaganda. You're undoing the propaganda by overwhelming through volume, through an abundant amount of volume, a tireless amount of output. Oh yeah. Um, this aesthetic warfare, this culture warfare in various mediums. But it, 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 you and I both in this conversation were like, it doesn't, it didn't sit right with us that it's just stopped at culture. Like it, it, could, it couldn't be like everything comes down to culture. It seemed too low, far down the river, too far down the stream. See, so you go, what's what's the source of the stream? Well, the source is divinity, and we have no dominion over divinity because that's divinity. And we we, we could we could sit here and very stupidly argue whether that's god allah the gods whatnot like that's a waste at this point that's a waste of time in terms of helping your fellow man in yeah. this war just 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 think of it very purely as good versus evil and you know we have no dominion over divinity so what's just downstream from divinity's doorstep and what's upstream from culture and that's consciousness mm-hmm. if we can win the war of consciousness if we can win this this highest place up the stream, if we can win the war there, a place where we can have a hand. Then we win the culture war, and we win we win the political war. And you and I both then asked the question after after really honing in and like this is a war on consciousness. This is a conscious war. That how do we? Flood th- how do we push things all the way back up the stream so that they flow back down the stream tenfold? And I think without you realizing it, you you hit the nail on the head. And this is this both. And th- I'm I'm sounding like a broken record lately because I keep hitting on this, but I I just think it's abundantly important. I, I'm probably not going to stop talking about it. So anyone who's getting annoyed about me speaking about this ad nauseum, get used to it. We're, we're fighting a war of consciousness. Plain and simple. And the way we win is by everyone recognizing that every single choice that they have is either acknowledging the right choice, the morally right choice, within a cultivated consciousness, a choice towards ascension, and that there's a wrong choice in literally every single action. And every single thought, stream of thoughts that you choose to have. Like, there's a great clip of Denzel Washington saying you know the the mind is a magnet you know this 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 tool this physically tangible tool we have within our organic being that is a receiver and a magnet for consciousness so he says that means you need to be careful what you think about because you're going to begin to attract things that you may or may not want 
And I think if we can control our thoughts, then we can better control our actions. And very true. You, 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 like throughout. I, you've you've called them rants. I don't I don't I don't think of them as rants at all. They they sound more like sermons to me. And you're the high you're the high bar to Chadistan. So this is this is your role. It's plain and simple. This is this is in, in my mind in knowing you. It's such been such a short period of time, but I feel like I've known you much longer. This is your role. This is your one of your many gifts, and I'd say it may or may not be your most prominent gift, but it's certainly up there is to sort of speak at length, and length at a time, just not only speaking words of wisdom, but exuding this this essence and this energy of higher positivity, of, of rousing men into action. Not letting them slumber, but rousing them into action in their every single choice. And both directly and indirectly, you've said that. You've said that about choices, about whether to be a degen or whether to be honorable in the military. You've said that about choices of whether or not to be disciplined or to not be disciplined. To seek out your, to, to, to reach out to your brothers to see if they're alright or to not or just think they're going to be okay. You, you, you've done so and I, I have no doubt in my mind you will continue to do so. And, you know... I, I, I wrote about the, the war on consciousness and I keep talking about it, but that's, that's, that, that's, that, that was an insight that you and I both had at once in my mind. Um, and it, it happened very organically and I think, but that could also pertain to this, you know, this collective subconscious that we're all experiencing in this renaissance of men in this solar sphere that you and I both said, this shit is happening. This yeah. shit is literally happening. <laughs> I don't want to say this shit is happening, but like this, this amazing gift, <laughs> this amazing shift of events, this what I would think to be the like the tail end of postmodernism trans transitioning into the Renaissance of men or the solar ascension, mm-hmm. or um, multiple people, including Forrest, have called it the Age of Heroes. Um, we're shifting away from this postmodern mm-hmm. era, and yeah. you know I I, I think if if I'm excited for anything, it's to see, it's to continue to watch what people like yourself do in this time. Yeah, bro, to be abundantly honest, brother. I really like the way uh, Will Spencer broke it down because he's talking about how he talks about how the Renaissance of men will be followed by the Renaissance of women, and there's the great reconciliation, and it's such a beautiful thing. And it is manifesting, we're seeing it, and it's not just because of us, it's because of so many other people, and it's not just because of men, it is because of the good women that we're seeing, you know, like, they were always there, but they just weren't, they didn't, I guess, all the good people that were trying to do the right thing, and were doing the right thing, we weren't connected, we weren't connecting with each other like we are now. It's like now we're aware of each other and we're like these beacons and we can see each other. Whereas before, you know, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if each and every one of us had those nights, and I'm definitely speaking for myself because I know I have, where I'm alone, I'm alone praying with God or I'm alone in bed or I'm alone hiking and I'm thinking like, am I doing the right fucking thing? Am I doing the right thing? Is it enough? You know, and I'm like, I could be spent, physically spent, spiritually spent, mentally fucking spent. Like I can, 
doing just enough to keep breathing, basically. And it's like, am I still doing enough? Am I doing enough? Am I doing the right thing? Is this going to pay off? Because I've always been told that if I do these right things through different religions and by uh, the good people in my life who always encouraged good behavior, such as my my mom, my stepdad, my father, who I do have an incredible relationship with now, my grandfather, God rest his soul, so many people who are like, yeah, Devin, do these things instead, or I'm glad that you have these habits now. And there are times where it's like, this feels fucking lonely, man. Like, this feels, it, it feels lonely, and I don't feel understood. Um, not that I'm not understood, because I can't speak clearly, and I could promote myself through my actions clearly, but there were times where it didn't feel like I had people in proximity who valued the same thing outside of, like, my religious community. I just mean, like, within society itself, all right? But now I'm, we're all drawing together, and it, like I said, it's just, like, it's baffling. It's baffling how it happened slowly and then all at once. And I know that it's not a coincidence. Like, the synchronicities are too much. They're too often. And they're too stark. There's something at work in the metaphysical fabric right now. There always has been. There always will be. But it's becoming stronger. It's becoming more present. We're because we're all becoming more, we're all ascending, and we're all transcending our boundaries. It's incredible. Just absolutely incredible. And like you said, when we, um, when we all can consummate this in person, we can all meet up. I mean, we're all building, we're all building and creating these things for ourselves and for those we care about just on our own, you know, isolated in our geographic locations. But then when we all come together, it's just... I can't even imagine how great that's gonna be. Neither can I. I, I. I can't. I can't really. I can't really fathom it at the moment. Like I have a few flashes of it, no, but I'm like. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's been revealed to us, to be honest. No, but it'll happen in time, you know, as God wills it. Absolutely, it's not. It's not on our timing. I mean, we're certainly receiving. We're receiving a lot, and we're we're responding yeah. with the necessary actions. I think I think we're certainly doing that. Mm-hmm. I think in terms of you know, I mean, even if, even if the peak of this, even if the peak of this doesn't happen in our lifetime, it's like maybe it'll be our grandchildren. So what? Yeah, that's good. At, at least it'll yeah. be your grandchildren. Yeah, so what? Because what we do now, what we do now, will be what sets them up for that. Absolutely. That's why that's why I was talking about breaking the generational curses. There are generational curses on both my parents' side of the family, just their own pitfalls and things that they never got out of. And I see it, and I see... Um, and that was part of why I had my own pitfalls and, and shortcomings myself. And now that I see it, it's like, okay, I have to mitigate that for my son and or daughter. I can't let them get caught up in the same shit I did. Absolutely. They need to be better than I was as... I'm striving to be better than my ancestors, so my sons and daughters must succeed me and my wife, and so on and so forth. And every every great parent is a parent that wants their children to be better than they were in every regard. And they don't give them everything they never had, 
They, they forge in them every discipline that they wish they learned earlier or didn't learn at all. They surround them with the right people, with the right morals, Absolutely. with the right ideas, in the right environments, with the right lessons. Not all the material things that they wish they had or they grew up poor, you know, whatnot. That's the way. That's the discipline of, of parenting. It is. And, and it's our duty to have a, for all of us to have a bunch of kids, man. <laughs> that's just one or two. I mean, at least, at least that's, at least in my mind, you know. Um, and I think that's, I think that's, you know, that's going to be, it's going to coincide with the great reconciliation, as we'll put it. I think that's, that's a, that's a really interesting yeah. concept. And I think that's a concept that certainly is on the horizon. You are seeing more and more feminine, not feminist pages. Yes. And, you know, it's, it's funny, it's like, they're ultimately, <laughs> by not rejecting their nature as women, they're also capable of all, like, the independent things that the feminists are striving for, but, like, falling short because of this chaotic inner turmoil that's pairing with it. It's like, you see these feminine women capable of, like, these great writings and these great pieces of art, and they're cultivating discipline, and they're, they're you know, they're training physically... There are all these things that, you know, feminists, a lot of feminists are falling short in that, like, you'd think of, like, real feminism would be, like, strengthening and fostering the woman, but without completely betraying the nature of women and uh, betraying all the things that women can do that man can't. Like, they're so hellbent yeah. on doing everything that men can do. And a lot of the time, I had a really interesting conversation with um, one of the bouncers at... I'm not going to say which bar in New York City, but, like, it's a world-famous it's a world famous bar. Like, a world-famous cocktail bar. Just, uh-huh. just renowned. An older Cuban gentleman. Okay. And he's like, you know, feminists are trying to copy men, but which men are they trying to copy? They're copying the worst... <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> that's, a, that's a good question. I actually never thought about that. Yeah, and he's like, in my mind, they're copying the worst of, the worst of men. And they keep like you, you see a lot of memes yeah. out there, especially in like the really Christian sector of this community. It's saying like you re, you'd re, like oh I'm an I'm an independent feminist woman. Get used to it. He's like no, you're a promiscuous promiscuous person on a road of self destruction. And she's like oh, but it's okay when yeah yeah, yeah exactly. And he's like it, she says oh, but it's 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 cool when when men sleep with a ton of women. And they're like no. It's not, and it's like that's sort of the end of the meme. No, no. Let me let me stop you there. No, it's not. Yeah, then that's just that's just completely has but the entire the art. Checking the thought checking applies to both genders. I see. Ooh, that, that, you know, a lot of guys aren't ready for that conversation, man. Like they really aren't. Um, no, no, they're not, man. And yeah, hey, look, I get it. You know, I I get like if I'm being blunt, I have I have a lot of testosterone. I have a super high sex drive. Like I get fucking <laughs> too. <laughs> but it doesn't mean that it's okay to go watch porn or have a masturbation habit or fucking chuck every, you know, dumb, naive, loose girl on Tinder. Yeah. It's just... Because it, it's destructive. It's destructive, and the, the vast majority of men that I've learned in my experiences, both as my own personal experiences and the experiences of many close friends of mine, most men want a deep, enriching, beautiful relationship with a smoking hot girl who's <laughs> nice, who's pleasant and feminine and treats them well. But what a lot of guys don't understand is, hey, you gotta be a fucking stud if you want a girl like that first off. And a lot of you aren't fucking studs. A lot of you are fucking pussies or your daddy's <laughs> boys or you're just fucking weak. Like you're fucking 
don't work out at all. You don't have anything to offer that girl. And I'm not saying that. It's well, not. It's not a transaction, but, but there is there are rules involved. Yeah. Women, women, women have extremely understandable expectations of their men, such as can you provide? Provide what? Emotional security, physical security. What the fuck are you gonna do if some fucking rough man walks up and squeezes your girlfriend's ass? You're gonna still be a fucking bitch, or are you willing to put on the fucking line to defend her? I'm not saying I hope that happens to you, but it happens to people all the fucking time. It happens all the time, and guys either get bitched up or it turns out that that guy was about that action and he defended his woman's arm. You're not that girl's not gonna beat that guy up. You gotta fucking do it, man. Like you committed to her. So a lot of guys aren't showing up in their relationships, and and either the girl has low enough self-esteem to settle for that fucking guy, which doesn't look well on her either. It also shows that she's acting low value, or she's gonna fucking ditch that fucking guy. And she's gonna get with the dude who's better for her. And it's like. It is what it is, man. Yeah. It is what it is, but um, going back to the, the main point, uh, promiscuity is extremely dangerous. Promiscuity correlates with high abortion rates. It correlates with um, widespread birth control use, which gets back into the tap water, which uh, spikes estrogen levels in men, and birth control fucks women up as well. It can make you fucking sterile. It also causes tons of issues. Like, I've heard girls try to give me this excuse of, oh, I'm on birth control because I, um, I haven't had a period in over a year. It's like, yeah, a period in over a fucking year? Like, you need to have a menstrual cycle. Don't, like, you're talking about you want fucking kids someday. You're 22 years old and you're on fucking birth control. Like, you're already at, like, the peak of your sexual fertility. You should already be pregnant. You know, you, you should already have a husband and, and be pregnant. I'm a total advocate for marrying, uh, marrying young. Yeah. You know, especially for women. Women don't realize, like, once you get into your mid-twenties, you better fucking, you better fucking get a man. You better get a good man, and, but at the same time, you better be a good girl. Yeah, it's, it's... You a good girl, because I'm telling you right now, high-value man is not going to take a girl with, uh, with a high body count. The risk of hair bonding damage is extremely real, and for... You guys, you're just fucking pumping and dumping girls left and right, when in reality what you want is that girl with either an extremely low body count or... You are majorly uh, contributing to the problem. One of the rare types of women, which are the girls that have the same opportunity for marriage, if you want to earn a, a girl like that, speaking from my own experiences of having earned women like that, you better get your shit together with your morals, you better put... You're not gonna meet your trad wife on fucking Tinder. You're not a fucking fraternity party like. And no. those girls are not gonna accept you either. So it pays for men and women to be good. It pays for them to have good, clean habits. I'm not saying it's easy. We're all tempted. But if you can overcome yourself, if you can master yourself, first off, that's the most crucial fucking step to manhood or womanhood. Secondly, it's how you free yourself because being a slave to your own fucking desires, as the term says, is a fucking form of enslavement. It's humiliating. It's pathetic. Oh, I can't stop eating my fucking dick. Or I can't stop eating candy. It's like no one else is going to stop you because you're not breaking the fucking... You're breaking God's law, but you're not breaking the physical law when people come and arrest you for it. You know? Right. So... Don't think that just because you won't get arrested for a certain habit that that habit will not or is not ruining your fucking life. 
<laughs> you know, it's it's a ha- it's plenty of legally legally allowed habits that fucking ruin ruin you. They ruin you. You are damaged goods if you play those games, especially in the, for the long run. Pays it it pays dividends spiritually, mentally, and physically to adopt good habits, clean habits, habits that you can be proud of. Habits that you can essentially tell your grandmother that you can have, like you need a, a fucking bar to achieve for. It, it, it's, it starts with you. It doesn't start with, oh, the situation needs to change. It's like, there's that, you talked about the meme of the guy who can't afford the trad wife, and at the flip side, the girl who wants, like, this, you know, phenomenal husband in every single way, but is, like, acting yeah. the complete opposite manner of what would be congruent with that. Um, yeah. So, it, it definitely it definitely starts with you. Um, just, and that's, that needs to be abundantly clear. You're the self-starter. You're not waiting on anybody. Mm-hmm. Plain and simple. Um, we had a number of actually really good questions that were submitted from the Q and A that I'd like to dive into. Um, oh yeah, let's get to them then. And um, yeah, so I, obviously I want to hear. I'll let you take the lead on the take, and I'll sort of chime in at the end. Um, say okay, let me find this. And uh, let's see. So the first one. Um, <laughs> So uh, the the first the first one I'll, actually the first one I'll knock out real quick. Do you ever have guests on the podcast? No, no, I don't. I never have guests on the podcast. <laughs> um, that's actually that's I'm actually, I'm actually Arthur's uh, second personality. Yeah, uh, this has been a yeah this this, this has been a paranoid schizophrenic uh, experiment. Um, have a good have a good night, everyone. Um, <laughs> No, so th- th- this question is actually from a buddy of mine who uh, I know in real life, and um, he's, okay. he's a training partner of mine, and he isn't going to be on the podcast. He's just being a, he's being a cheeky bastard. Um, so the next question uh, uh, from okay, I'm actually going to say from who because I haven't cleared whether or not they want to be identified. So, um, okay, keeping that solar mindset an ideal when having a depression and or anxiety episode. Okay, so, um, having conquered my post-traumatic stress disorder, uh, one of the many things I had dealt with, or, and, and still deal with to this day, PTSD doesn't go away, depression and anxiety don't, uh, don't go away, fulfilling my habits, making sure that I have a structured life personally helps me, so, I lift weights, I train martial arts, I eat right, I have a dog, I spend time with positive good people I indulge myself in my hobbies I set goals to achieve so that I always have something higher than myself to aim for higher than my base desires avoiding porn avoiding alcohol both of which exacerbate both of these things is uh, another thing like I said these bad habits these toxic ways of dealing with trauma, dealing with stress, all they do is multiply that shit. They just, they are devaluing habits that devalue you as the person and you should love yourself better. I have a healthy, I have a healthy sense of self-love. I love myself. 
And because I do that, I can love other people in a very healthy manner as well. Cultivate self-love. Tell yourself good things. Tell yourself good things, but make sure that you are acting on those things. You're not going to look at yourself in the mirror every day and say, I'm really fit, I'm really fit, I'm really fit. Tell I'm too, I'm too sexy for my shirt. Work yeah. out so that you're actually manifesting. That's how manifesting fucking works. Right. That's literally how manifesting works. You tell yourself positive things about yourself that you wish to embody. So if I wanted to be a pianist, for example, because I really love piano music. I love piano music. I'm not a pianist. I, I don't love it that much. But if I did, I know what I would do. I would tell myself every day, I'm a pianist. And then I would go and practice piano. I would pay for lessons and be in the tutelage of a master pianist. And I would dedicate my life to it or a portion, a significant portion of my life to do that thing. If you have something that to aim for, then you have no reason to feel little, you have no reason to feel small, you have no reason to feel fucking depressed. Depression can also come from living in the past too much. Get the fuck out of the past. Let it go. And I also tend to notice that anxiety comes from not knowing certain things. You don't have knowledge of something that you wish you did. And for a lot of people, it's the future. Oh, God, what's going to happen next? I, I'm so anxious. Hey, listen, that tension is good for you. It makes you fucking stronger. You have to master the fucking tension. Tension's great. I fucking love tension. Same. There's tension when I'm lifting weights. Physical fucking tension. There's mental tension when I'm competing in martial arts such as judo because I can fucking lose. And when I lose, I lose in front of people and I've been physically manhandled by another grown man. Or I could fucking win and manhandle him instead. Master the fucking tension. Be confident in yourself. Have some fucking self-belief. You need tension for fucking romance. You think women are turned on by the guys who don't ramp up sexual tension? Wrong. They fucking lose it over men like that. Yeah. You need tension. You need tension. And you need to learn how to hold that tension and bend it over and make it your bitch. Because when you do that, anxiety <laughs> can't fucking touch you. Anxiety can't touch you. And if you can learn how to be present and live in the now, because none of us have ever fucking lived in the future. And we never lived in the past. You only exist now. At one point, the past was now for us, right? Right. So, query the past, focus on now, focus on now, and plant the roots for the future you fucking want. That's what works for me. That's how I keep that shit at bay. I still experience it frequently, but I don't let it overcome me. When the feelings of depression or anxiety come, I acknowledge them. I say, I see you. I see what you are. And I'm going to feel this, but this is my house. This is my home. I am Devin. I am not depressed. I am not anxious. I'm Devin. It, wor it works for me. You know, try it out. Maybe it'll work for you too. I mean that's you you, you, you covered you 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 covered um keeping the solar mindset you covered battling depression you've colored you sort of covered harnessing anxiety's energy in a bunch of different facets in a bunch of different applications. I'm just gonna have one tiny little tool at well, the end. It, it, it affects people in different, different ways, man. Yeah, it doesn't. It yeah, it doesn't always happen in one way. way. I mean, it's like, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, 
it's that's that's abundantly true. Um, the one thing I'll add is cultivate levels of detachment. I'm I'm really really big on detachment for the reason is you sort of like you if you can practice a skill of detachment, you can actually detach from yourself and witness yourself having this anxiety or depression episode and very coldly and logically choose to not because you are not your thoughts um in the discipline equals freedom field manual by jocko willink he says you should be able to harness the fuel of, of raw logic and raw emotion when things are when you're not feeling it you're not feeling working out the the raw logic and the raw cold discipline says no i'm going to do it anyway when you're in a state of monotony and you're losing a spark in your work ass, then you throw emotion. So there's a time and place. So detachment and that sort of balance of opposites, I think, will also help as well. Um, the next... Oh, yeah. the, uh, Stoicism has become a huge thing for men in our circle, and, and it absolutely works. You know, it's, Stoicism is certainly having our... It, it, it's, yeah, it's... It, it's the most... I feel like it's the most popular... belief system it's the most it's the most popular op as to, to take away from howling void as he says the most popular operating system yeah. among this movement um and yeah. it, it's, it's very easy to understand why um mm. th this one's an interesting one uh I, I'm, I'm gonna bring i'm gonna present these two as a pair um what are your okay. thoughts on wing chun and how old is how old is, how old is too old to start wushu and or wing chun? I haven't trained either of those styles. I think they're really fascinating. I think they're cool. I really like Jet Li movies and I like the Man movies, so they look cool. But it seems to me, from an outsider's perspective, that these two martial arts in particular aren't really crafted for sports martial arts, such as professional, like Muay Thai, kickboxing, boxing, or mixed martial arts. But what they can serve, benefit in, is self-defense. And being the fact that it's a martial art period, it's a great way to bring some structure, discipline, into your life, it's a form of fitness. If you want to do it, go do it. As far as too old, well, the sooner you start, the fucking better. Um, <laughs> you're actually more malleable as a kid. Yeah. You're more malleable as a kid, meaning that you can pick it up faster. But don't let your age be an excuse to not do it. If you want to go train Wushu, find a Wushu dojo, do your research, make sure they're credentialed and they have... Um, good reviews you know make, if they have a social media page definitely look on them and see what they are get the vibe of the place yeah and start training get dive into it get into it Wing Chun like I said I think it's applicable to self defense there's obviously merit in it because Bruce Lee grew up training Wing Chun under It Man and then from there he applied a lot of Wing Chun into what became Jeet Kune Do and there are people still building on that, so there's definitely some gold in those hills. Yeah, go check it out, man. That's my thoughts on it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I found it really interesting. Um, so, I, Wing Chun, uh, like you said, they, I don't know so much about Wushu, uh, but I know Wing Chun does have a self-defense aspect to it, and it, it was born um, 
I, don't, I, I, I shouldn't say it was born, but it was a street fighting martial art in Hong Kong and Macau for a very long time. Um, and um, there's a there's a military. So Wing Chun got its teeth uh, as a street fighting martial art in Macau and Hong Kong, um, but it got its teeth uh, in a lot of military uh, foreign military services. And I've seen demonstrations of effective Wing Chun to kill. Um, in terms of Wushu, Wushu is a great practice for fluidity and like sort of physical meditation. But there is actually a fight sport version of Wushu. Um, that's a form of kickboxing uh, with takedowns called... It, I've heard it called Sancha and I've heard it called Sanda. Um, very interesting um, fight sport. As far as um, how old is too old to start? Well... I, I know who asked this question, so I know I know you are not too old, but as a general rule, um, I've met personally people who've started fighting at 32 and they're now world champions. So, like 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 Devin said, uh, the best time to start is right now. So, start. I say that with love. Um, the next question: What is Chadistan? <laughs> All right, so let's break down the etymology of the word. So, the, the suffix stan, which you hear in countries such as Afghanistan, Kyrgyzstan, Kazakhstan, Pakistan, it means land of. It's an Arab word. It means land of. So, Kazakhstan, land of the Kazakhs. Afghanistan, land of the Afghans. Pakistan, land of the Chads. Plain and simple. It's uh. That is what Chadistan is. That's my answer. <laughs> Chadistan is certainly um, <laughs> it's certainly Devin and Will's baby far more than it's mine. I'm very happy to, as I mentioned at the very beginning, he's very happy to be invited to Chadistan. When he's like a group of barbarians, and I took it too seriously. I'm more of a assassin knight type, you know. That, that type is like, hey, sure, man, yeah, like, you sound like you fit. Like, this, welcome to Chattistan. Uh, Chattistan's a way of life, man, plain and simple. Next question. Um, <laughs> do you have any source recommendations for resetting the brain slash drastic brain development? That's an interesting one. Like, re mass reprogramming. That's actually a really good question. Yeah. As far as setting new neural pathways, especially if you have been conditioned with detrimental habits, so talking about people that are caught up in porn addictions, drug addictions, alcoholism, they're trying to break the cycle. That's how I'm perceiving this question, so hopefully I'm on the same page as the gentleman asking this question. Mm -hmm. I do advocate responsible use of psychedelics for healing yourself. I have used psychedelics on several occasions for sincere purposes, and it has benefited me greatly in overcoming my post-traumatic stress disorder and becoming a better man. It has allowed me to step outside of my own preconceived notions and limited perceptions to see things in a new light and therefore increase my ability to grow and increase my security in making the right decisions um yeah I so I have 
I've never even smoked weed before. Um, I have zero experience with any form of psychedelic or recreational drug or weed or some such. Weed's overrated, if I'm being honest. That's what I keep hearing lately. It's overrated. Yeah. Yeah. CBD, I, I personally like CBD much better. Oh, shit. Okay. I mean, it was funny, when I moved to England and they found out I was from California and they found out I didn't smoke weed, they were like really angry at me, like, you're from California, how could you not smoke weed? I was like, go fuck yourself. <laughs> like, fuck you. Um, weed, man. Yeah, weed, man. Like, <laughs> dazed and confused, like, I don't know, let's go smoke a joint. Like, that's, man, you get a lot more excited about that than, than most, man, so, no. Yeah, bro. Do, yeah, do you have any source recommendation for resetting the brain drastic slash brain development? Um, okay. You know, this question sounds less like, it sounds a lot less like they want an iterative process. And normally I would advocate for an iterative process. When I had Nature Chat on the podcast, he was like, he was like, no, the only way is the iterative process. And he's like, there's too many people who don't want to start their lives because they're afraid it's like this huge daunting thing. But from the tone and the question itself, it sounds like someone's pretty game for, you know, a more grand 10,000 foot scale type reorganization. Um, mm-hmm. I have a practice of mine. You know, I think I'll post this too as a sort of follow up to the protocols post of the 10 daily protocols I adhere to. Uh, I have this thing called Central. Oh, yeah. I, th- thank you. Thank you. Um, it's uh it's it's something I pair with it called central control. And it's a spreadsheet I have uh on the numbers app uh through through iCloud. And I I have just a very simple like you you go to jujitsu, I'm sure you have the attendance card, like I know that's a thing in jujitsu. It's like, man, I've been practicing really hard. It's like, oh your attendance card doesn't doesn't really show that, does it? Um Oddly enough my gym doesn't my gym doesn't have that. I I don't think I've ever seen an attendance card before. Oh, I, just, really? I pay my dues and I show up. Yeah. Oh, okay. I, mean, I love it plain and simple. Um, but, yeah, so this, this practice of central control, um, I have this spreadsheet. And I have all the, I have a, a checkbox for every protocol that I do. I have, you know, I have a slot for blood and rain. I have a slot for the, the, the three new projects attached to Blood and Rain that I will not disclose at this time. I have a slot for what I'm supposed to be reading that day. I have a slot for um, a checkbox of whether or not I spent a, an hour a day um, spiritually developing myself. So I have this. I have this on this on this grid, plain and, like just very plainly and simply placed, saying what I'm supposed to do each day and whether or not I did it. It's it's and it's very simple. You look at it. You either it's either a one or a zero. It's a yes or a no. Mm. And if you actually do all of these things with presence and with intention, and at the end of the day you actually check all of them off. Anytime you slip, you're going to begin like from a ten thousand foot. Like oh no, I didn't master myself that day like I thought I did because I didn't do this. I didn't do this. It's a, it's it's a very simple, very. Mm-hmm minimalist way of saying like I'm I'm resetting my brain I'm resetting my drastic behavior by just tracking and holding myself accountable and very blatantly putting a one or a zero standpoint of whether or not my actions are reflecting me resetting my brain because 
um, the Invincible Way, he actually posted a book when someone asked him a similar question. I think it was called the the Mind Key System or um, something key system. I, I'll I'll send the book to the person who asked this question. I'll go go take a I'll go take a second look to find it. But I don't think you can reprogram your brain all in one flash all at once. I think you can very mindfully reprogram your brain over time by having this other thing you're looking at reflecting on whether or not you did the actions you perform the actions that reflect your brain being altered dramatically um so that's yeah, that definitely takes time it definitely takes time and consistency it's not you know the, the cliched saying but it's true rome wasn't built in a day so yeah a, mind, a hard reset like that it takes time it takes patience but I, I I admire the you know the seeking like who wants the grand strategy he wants the grand re, the reset of yeah, stuff. I'm glad he asked that question. That's a great question. It's one I never even thought of before. Yeah, I mean, I've I've thought about it myself, but I I never thought that. I obviously, thought about myself because of the center control aspect, and that started this year. And I'm seeing I'm not doing I'm hitting every protocol every day, but I'm not doing every single thing in addition to the protocols I want to do every day. But I'm seeing there's an obvious upward trend that's happening because of the central control practice. So I'll post a little sample of central control to Instagram too for all the listeners um, because the protocols thing was really well received. So maybe I'll start posting some more content like that as well. Um, a question from the same gentleman also. If there are hours in between cardio and strength training, does it matter if cardio slash high intensity interval training comes first? From my own experiences, and uh, I'm a fitness instructor, I'm not even certified personal trainer, so take this with a grain of salt. <laughs> From my own anecdotal experiences, so I train martial arts, which is my cardio. That's what I do for high-intensity cardio. I train mm-hmm. boxing and Brazilian jiu-jitsu currently, and I've trained multiple other styles uh, before that, such as Muay Thai, Judo. Uh, I've done mixed martial arts classes. I personally prefer to do my strength training first. So what I, what I do is I go to the gym really early in the morning around 5 30 and i lift weights and perform calisthenics and so that's my strength and then in the evenings i train brazilian jiu-jitsu and boxing that works best for me because if i yeah. were to flip that around and do the cardio and then immediately first i'm going immediately into weight training after cardio there's no fucking way i'm going to be able to give as much output and weightlifting. I'm not going to be absolutely not, no. pumping out as many reps on push-ups and pull-ups. I'm, I'm going to be smoked. Absolutely smoked. So, I put, I, look, it probably comes down to preference. There's a lot of context to be taken from this too. What are you doing personally? Cardio is different. Are you wrestling? Are you swimming? Are you a triathlete? You know, and what kind of weightlifting are you doing? Is it classic bodybuilding? Is it powerlifting? There, um, Questions like this are very wide open, and it helps yeah. when you're more specific for what you're doing. But as a general, as a general rule of thumb, if you want to perform cardio, cardiovascular exercises, if you want something that's really high intensity cardio, like a hit workout, I would personally suggest you go and do your strength training first, and then do your cardio afterwards. As in, you can finish it with cardio, or you can do what I do split it into two different sections throughout the day. It's also going to, of course, depend on your schedule. So yeah. there's that. Come up with a plan, 
test it out and try it and see what works and then figure it out for yourself. So, um, coming from someone yeah, who is certified and I'm, I'm writing programs for a lot of people in the sphere for now for free, by the way. So if you want to slide into my DMS for a workout program tailored to your needs and lifestyle and whatnot, do so until it gets to the point where I have to start charging because there's so much time involved. So for now it's free. So get them while they're hot. Um, but also if they're okay, if there are hours between cardio and strength training, doesn't matter if cardio hit comes first. So, um, this is the same person who asked the, the grand reset. So I'm going to, I'm going to give a, a answer of sort of programming long-term. When you look at a seven day cycle, um, actually I've been taught to program in two week cycles because the endocrine system can handle two weeks out of four of heavy lifting per month. So typically that two week cycle, uh, has a primer week and it has a heavy week in terms of, in terms of load. That doesn't just, um, mean the heavy lifting. It also means the intensity of your cardiovascular output. Um, I'll, I'll give an example of what my workout split is like. So first of all, if you can help it, like Devin was saying, do not do cardio and strength in the same workout. If you can split them, that is so much more beneficial because it's, unless you're trying to be a CrossFit athlete, um, or you're trying to, you're, you're doing this in a specific like mixed martial arts context, uh, it doesn't make any sense. Um, to cultivate strength and cultivate cardiovascular endurance, you want to do them separately. Now, You don't want to do what is called anaerobic conditioning, meaning high that would that would high intensity interval training falls under this. You don't want to do anaerobic output, like you're you're pushing the pace to the point where it's not just the cardiovascular system. You're dealing with the muscular system. You're dealing with the fast twitch muscle fibers and the slow twitch muscle fibers across um, a very eclectic range of conditioning, whether that be in slam balls or on a sled or jump rope sprints into burpees, um, cardiac power intervals, um, alactic intervals, um, th- th- very intense conditioning methods of these of this nature. First of all, you want it at least a day away from a pure strength training session that involves primarily the central nervous system. You want it at least 48 hours apart on both ends from any hypertrophy session or your hypertrophy is going to be compromised. The hypertrophy is the most fragile of all the modes of exercise. Like It needs a lot of space and it needs a lot of recovery so the muscles can grow. You can... you Strength and... Strength with the central nervous system and cardiovascular endurance just simply only dealing with cardio, meaning the, the, the talking test cardio, saying, I run for 30 minutes, or I'm running at a pace, or let's say I'm running with Devin, and I say, so, so yeah, the other day I, um, I got my ass kicked uh, by this new pro who, like, if I can run like that and carry a conversation, that means I'm not dipping into the anaerobic system and I'm just cultivating the cardiovascular endurance system. Um, and this isn't going to disrupt anything having to do with the muscular system. Let's say if you're a day apart from hypertrophy. Or you can even do this well, the way a lot of bodybuilders do it. In the morning, they do fasted cardio of that nature. Not too fast. Not dipping in an anaerobic system. And then later in the day after they've been fed quite a bit, they go and do their hypertrophy workouts. 
Um, and so that doesn't compromise the hypertrophy for workouts. And they burn fat in the morning and they gain muscle in the evening. Um, so in, in short, to sum up everything I just said for principles, I'll, I'll, I'll divide this into four categories. I'll divide into hypertrophy, as in bodybuilding, strength, using primarily the central nervous system, meaning sets of no more than five with rests no less than five minutes. Um, strength is very durable. Cardiovascular endurance is very durable. You can have a strength workout and the next day have a hypertrophy workout. You can have a strength workout and the next day have an anaerobic conditioning workout. You can have a strength workout and the next day or even the same day have a cardiovascular endurance workout. You can have a cardiovascular endurance workout the same day or the day after or the day before a hypertrophy workout. What you can't do is have anything less than a 48-hour period in between an anaerobic conditioning session and a hypertrophy workout. That simply will not work. You'll, you'll, be, you'll be dipping into the, the concept of uh, the, the principle of interference, meaning one is going to suffer and it's most likely going to be the hypertrophy and all the time you spent grinding out some Dorian-esque or Ronnie Coleman-esque reps will be in vain. Hope that answers the question. Um... What do you think of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu? I think I'm it's... glad you broke that down. I'm, thank you, thank you for breaking that down because um, I I had learned around the time I was in high school that guys who do a lot of the classical bodybuilding, the hypertrophy workouts, they tend to get injured doing athletic endeavors. Mm-hmm. And I'd always wondered why. It's like, well, they look great, and yeah, I don't expect them to have a lot of cardio. They're real big, muscular guys, but it's like, why are they getting fucking injured? Like that's weird. But that is. Um, the best explanation I've heard. Now, I didn't know any of that, so I just really learned something valuable there. Oh, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad. And you know, the, the, these these principles of training, I'm always I'm always willing to talk about. Anybody who wants to, sh- you know, slide into my DMs again, but like I said before, um, about any of these matters, yeah, these 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 are principles that really aren't shared because if you teach people the principles, they're going to know how to program their their own shit for the most part, and then a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of personal trainers are fortunately going to be out of work, but I, I share them to empower men. Honestly, I, I I don't make much money for now. That's about to change, honestly, on programming um, because it's it's going to go. It's going to be pre, it's going to be programming and things beyond programming with the programming just as the base. But I think everyone should at least know the principles for themselves. I think that's really important. Um, what do you think of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu? Uh, I've done two Jiu-Jitsu classes ever. I think it's great. I think it's the most access, uh, accessible martial art because it's not concussive. Um, but I'll let you take that because I know you're, you're a purple belt, yeah? I'm a blue belt. Blue belt, got yeah, it. I've trained Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu uh, three, to, three to five times a week, and I absolutely love it. It's fun. Uh, I agree with what you said, Arthur. It's one of the most accessible uh, martial arts because it is concussions there's no striking in it uh, what I really appreciate about my gym I train at a gym called Elite, Com- uh, Elite Combat Systems here in Stillwater is that our instructors our professors teach both sports jiu-jitsu tactics and we have guys who compete in jiu-jitsu on a frequent basis and he also teaches how to use jiu-jitsu for mixed martial arts we have a uh, we have one guy, at least I know, named Jared, who competes in amateur mixed martial arts. And he also teaches what to do for self-defense. And one of the professors also has a background in catch wrestling. 
um, which if you know who Josh Barnett is, if oh, you're yeah. really into mixed martial arts, the Cat wrestler. And he also is a judo black belt, so it's not just purely Brazilian jiu-jitsu or like, you know, Gracie jiu-jitsu. They mix it up. They mix it up to keep self-defense concepts, MMA concepts, and then sports jiu-jitsu concepts. So you, I, I could get a really well-rounded, high-quality lessons there. I think Brazilian jiu-jitsu is great for anybody. Like I said, if you're looking for that warrior path, competing jiu-jitsu, and you can learn self-defense in any jiu-jitsu gym that's actually worth its salt, it's, it'll keep you fit, make you strong, boost your confidence up, and you choose the right gym, the right training partners, you will make good friends, and you'll be around good people. You know, you're not going to be around psychopaths just looking to, you know, break your arm or something. So, uh, choose wisely with your gyms as well. With any martial art, choose your gyms wisely. Make sure you're getting high-quality training, high-quality instruction, high-quality training partners that aren't there to hurt you. Exactly. Good training partners aren't stupid meatheads who like to hurt people, like you just said. Um, yeah, I'm purely a Muay Thai. Yeah, I'm I'm purely a Muay Thai and um, Dutch kickboxing practitioner. I'm purely a striker, and I've been striker for a very long time now. Um, I'll eventually transition into mixed martial arts. Striking is fun, yeah, striking uh, got me hooked, but I, but in some striking gyms they hard spar. My first gym they hard spar, and I took my first liver kick, and it wasn't fun. So. That's why when people ask what their first martial art should be, I always, it was, it was great. It was awesome. Um, and, uh, yeah, I was on the floor. I felt like I got kicked in the balls and had food poisoning at the same time. And I said, what the fuck is that? And I, I, could, I, I, I could barely breathe. I'm on the floor. Everyone's laughing at me. It's like this rite of passage. And you're saying, get up. And I'm like, I can't. Like, um, it's, it's a terrible, it's, it's, it's a terrible feeling, but, um, if, if you really, really, like, want to go do Muay Thai, I'm not going to say go do Muay Thai. I think it's the best martial art ever. But um, I typically recommend people start with Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Because so. it is most accessible. Uh, let's see. I will say this. If you're a man, uh, definitely learn a striking art and a grappling art. Learn both. Yeah. Um, even if you have no intentions of competing in striking, it's good to know the defensive aspects of it, the head movement, the footwork, the dodge punches if you are attacked by people because the majority of street fights is people swinging on each other and you need to learn how to uh, defend those punches properly so that you don't get hit, potentially knocked down and hit your head on a hard surface and kill you. Yeah. So, really good to learn, uh, really good to learn striking for at the very minimum defensive purposes but if you also need to shut someone's lights out you also know how to do that too. Yeah. And, uh, it's really nice when you can land a solid kick into someone's midsection of their leg. Oh yeah, it's funny when you when you kick someone in the leg in a street fight, they like they they're not used to taking leg kicks and they just buckle down like oh, you can't even fight. You're on the ground. <laughs> See ya. Um, <laughs> bye. <laughs> um, <laughs> the fight's over. It's like you don't even need to pulverize a guy. He's just like ah fuck you. Leg kicks are for bitches. Yeah, well, you're the. You know what? I like things like that. I, like, like, if I'm gonna have to fucking fight you, I want, I want this over with quickly. I got shit to do. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not really trying to hurt anybody, but you're being an asshole, and now I gotta put an end to this. So I'd rather not give you brain damage. Yeah. So hopefully you can think to be a better person in the future. So I'm just gonna leg kick you and see you fall to the ground. You're gonna be like, man, fuck you. Leg kicks are for bitches. I'm like, well, I'm the one still standing, and you're the one on the ground. So bye. Um. 
People want to say that when someone busts out a martial art on them that they can't defend. Like, oh, get up, bro. Stop grappling him. It's like, no, you couldn't get me off of you. That's, that's, that's your fucking problem. Yeah, this isn't... I told you I didn't want trouble in the first fucking place. This isn't Canterbury I rules. I in the first place and... <laughs> It's not boxing. You know what I mean? Like, no, we're not boxing. Yeah. We're fighting. Yeah, a, a, a lot of old head boxing yeah. fans, and I'm I'm an old head boxing fan, honestly. A lot of them haven't really accepted that mixed martial arts is here to stay, honestly. Um, yeah, it's not going anywhere. No, no. Absolutely not. That, that cat's from the box, man. It's running rampant. Oof, ain't that the truth. And you know, it's funny. Boxing's evolving. Like, the level of technique as a whole in boxing is actually being is very innovative right now, but most people wouldn't know it, which is sad. Uh-huh. Like, like, go watch Alexander Usyk. Go watch Javante. Yeah, yeah, go watch Lomachenko, Usyk, Javante Davis, Earl Spence, Tyson Fury, Billy Joe Saunders, um, Terrence Crawford. Oh my God, Terrence Crawford. Um, oh yeah. All these yeah, guys. Yeah, there's a handful of boxers. I'm not as big into boxing as I am mixed martial arts, but there's a handful of uh, boxers where it's like, if that guy's fighting, I want to see it happen. Absolutely, it, but boxing is really exciting right now. Don't don't sleep on it. But yeah, again, mixed martial arts is, is here to stay in the world of fighting. So yeah, learn learn a. I would say learn Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and learn Muay Thai because you'll be able to throw strikes from eight different points of contact. So you're not going to have to wait to set up a punch. You can use a bunch of weapons at your disposal and then deploy Jiu Jitsu to make someone say uncle and hopefully no one gets hurt. Honestly, that's that's my hope. Um, yeah. How you get so swole, bro? Well, I just mentioned all the attributes and uh, principles of training, so there you go. Um, also, eat an abundance of protein, high-quality protein. That's how I got so swole. Yeah, I, I, uh, I, I, I killed a tiger and ate its heart. That's, I don't. I don't need to work out anymore. I killed the tiger and ate its heart. Now it's just seething through my body. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, the, the, you know, th- th- this podcast is having just the right amount of meatheadery. It's great. You know, it's like not too meathead. Some of the, <laughs> some, some, some of the Joe Rogan podcasts just turn into like when he just goes deep into like chimps, and like when he's with Brendan. Sh- like honestly, some of my favorite ones are with Brendan Schaub and other yeah, dudes. The 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 one after Jones beat Daniel Cormier in the rematch before Jones got popped for steroids again. Um and he's like, John Jones is so good. I know he's so fucking good. You think DC's gonna fight him again? I don't know, man. No, dude, not only does DC says he wanna fight him again, he says he wants he wants not, not only does DC say he wanna fight again, he wants to fight Jones again. Jesus Christ, man! My heart can't take it. My heart can't take it. It's just absolute meatheadery, so I'm glad. I'm glad this podcast is yeah. this. This episode isn't full meat headery, but I'm glad we're, we're getting a we're getting a good dose in here. Um, yeah. The, 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 the meat is good. Big time. It, the way that the way, it, the questions are certainly helping the case too. The guy spelled it. How you get G I T so swole, bruh? How you get so swole, bruh? That's my buddy made the arca. Oh, that's that's your guy. That's your point? Yeah, that's like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was, um... He went all the points to Afghanistan to get... He just had his son. So, 
He's doing really good, man. He lifts uh, he lifts weights, man. He's he's a cool guy. He's a great guy. Okay, cool, man. Well, him and I have to have a proper sit down then, yeah. rather than me being. I I I, I listed the attributes and the the principles before. Next question. No. Um, but yeah, in all, in all seriousness, if you if you do master those principles and you if you need help applying those principles to your programming examples, just DM me. I'll show you an abundant amount, an abundant grouping of examples. Um, being husband pod, I'm gonna call him out because he's enough of a public figure. Um, he says, looking forward to this. By the way, how can a man stay aware of the ward for his mind? I'm gonna assume he meant war. Yeah. Oh wait, sorry, but I can't hear you. No, no, that, there you go. Yeah, you, you, you're more speaking in the microphone now. It's good. Okay. Um, for me personally, being staying close to God has increased my consciousness. It has increased my mindfulness, and that's one way that helps. Another thing is once I'm on to a good habit, I stay on it. I cannot stress enough the importance of staying on the path, like staying the course. There's different ways of saying it, but. Stay on the path of righteousness, keep doing virtuous things, keep aspiring toward being a man or, or woman of virtue, of value. I I'm gonna I will keep saying the same things over and over again and, and acting on them. You know, when I was saying I post these things it's as much a reminder to myself. Don't put up being aware that there is a war on the mind is obviously the first step, acknowledging that there are psychological operations. Yeah being played here and in our own way we're, we're playing our own psyop the, the aesthetics war in and of itself yeah it's a psychological operation but it's a good one oh wait you're, you're cutting out again and if their agenda their values don't align with your own and you need to be going in the opposite direction. How do you do that? You go in the opposite direction by not acting like them, by not adopting their habits. Do the opposite thing. Yeah, beware, beware bad company, for sure. Absolutely. If they're telling you to drink alcohol, don't drink alcohol. If they're telling you to do drugs, don't do fucking drugs. If they're telling you to sleep around and deny yourself, don't do it. If they're telling you to consume garbage, go consume value instead. Do the opposite. Agreed. And if you're in a situation... Or, or, or you can keep being a piece of shit. I mean, honestly, the choice is yours, but obviously you know what we promote at this point. Yeah, that's 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 more than clear at this point. Um, so, yeah. I, I'm So it's, it's not my Lent, but it's Western Lent right now. Um, but I started a lot of my Lenten disciplines. So my, my, I say that because the Orthodox calendar is on a different calendar. It's on the lunar calendar. So my Lent actually starts on March 15th and ends May 1st. Um, That's interesting. That's interesting. I that was Yeah, that, that's why our, well, our Christmas is on um, is on the 7th of January as opposed to the 25th of December. Um, okay. So yeah, so the day after Epiphany. Um... And 
Yeah, so uh, this, is a, this is a fantastic question, first of all. I'm, and again, I'm going to assume... So they wrote, how can a man stay aware of the ward for his mind? I'm going to assume they meant war for his mind. So my, one of my Lenten practices uh-huh. is... You know, a lot of people with Lent, it's like, I'm going to give up Netflix. And that's going to be very beneficial. You're fasting from Netflix, and you fill that gap with prayer. Um, I'm going to fast from this food, you know, great. Or I'm going to do actual fasts from food for periods of a time for deep in prayer. Those are all amazing things. Hmm. I started my disciplines early as like a little launch pad into my proper Lenten period on March 15th of my disciplines and my this is the second time I've tried this I'm hoping I'm gonna have more success with this this time but my I'm trying to give up idleness because I've been writing about being surgical and I think being surgical with your time is you're gonna figure out how much time you actually have in your life to do all these things that you say you don't have time for so I'm trying to fast from idleness and you know with the exception of while well, I'm recording a podcast obviously um, but at the, at the beginning and my apologies to all the listeners who are still with us at the at the end of this podcast um, coming towards the end here I uh, apologize for some of the noise artifacts that's um, various alarms telling me every 11 minutes actually to do burpees and to pray so <laughs> What I've noticed um, is physicalizing every 11 minutes, like doing something physical every 11 minutes to make yourself more present. When you become more present, then you become more aware of your mind. And when you become more aware of your mind, then you're going to become more aware of the war of your mind. But to understand the war of the mind, and this I'm, I'm stealing using from Jocko Willink, the war of the mind and the war of life isn't a war. War is easy because you know who the enemy is, and it's right in front of you at all times. It's in your face, and you know what you're fighting. The war of the mind and the war of life is counterinsurgency. Meaning, you're in a constant state of calm, but you're also having to constantly be alert because it can hit you at any time. Anything can be a trigger. Anything can be turn the tide of conflict out of nothing. So when you're constantly present every 11 minutes, every 10 minutes doing something physical, you're going to be able to defend against these attacks of counterinsurgency in this overarching long-term conflict of your mind. I like that it's dope. Thanks, brother. Uh, and the last question. Um, this question comes from Germany. Okay. Your viewpoint on science, referring to evolution theory, and its impact on religion and your belief system. What do you believe the relationship between science and religion is? I personally believe they're mutually inclusive. I, I've come to understand that at the highest levels of academia, you have a lot of atheists. Richard Dawkins is probably the most prominent one that comes to my mind. Yeah. And they'll tell you that through their scientific theories, they're essentially disproving God. However, the more that I personally learned through entomology and wildlife ecology, which are the two bat- the two majors that I'm getting right now in school, all it's done for me is reveal more of God's greatness, especially when you look at geomet- uh, sacred geometry, these are sacred geometric patterns that are found all the way down to the anatomical level, to the macro level. And you see 
the similarities on micro and macro levels, for me personally, that just further proves that the universe was created by an intelligent design. I also think that people humanize God and how God, the process of God, as in the way that he's built the universe. I believe that many people on the religious side of things and on the scientific side of things tend to humanize God too much. So what I mean by that is, well, they said he created all the creation in six days, but it's like, on whose fucking calendar? Your calendar? <laughs> the Gregorian calendar? Julian calendar? No, God's calendar. I understand that you're translating this from another language into your language, English, or whatever. Like, how many people speak Aramaic? How many people still speak Tony Greek? Very, very few. It's entirely possible that God, in his his six days of creation, life evolved to what it is now. It's absolutely possible. It's possible that the entirety of the period of the dinosaurs and the period of the even more primitive life forms than that happened within the span of his six days of creation. He didn't say it was six days. Again, that could be a misinterpretation. I'm saying this because I wasn't there. I don't get to sit here in the office and say, I fucking know that this happened. Or even people are like, well, I know this happened because the Bible said this, Ron said that, and it's like, okay, well, how are you interpreting this? How are you interpreting this? Which language are you reading it in? How well do you know that language? How intimate are you with it? And at the end of the day, there's still a degree of separation to the nth degree because we weren't there. You weren't there when this happened. And so we can only perceive this from the point of our own experiences and our own uh, very finite knowledge. So I think it's entirely possible that evolution is real, but it doesn't mean that God's not real. God still planted the seed for life, and then it grew as it grew. I don't personally think we came from monkeys, but this is what I believe. You know, these are my beliefs. It's not, I'm not saying it's fact. It's, I'm saying it's beliefs. I believe in God. That's why it's called faith. It requires something of us that is greater than knowledge, and that is accepting the unknown for what it is. That's a very scary thing to do. Very. For a lot of people. And that that's the disconnect with people and faith much of the time. Mm-hmm. Um. So, in terms of evolution, I so I I don't know enough of all the details. I'm I've I've heard that there's hundreds of flaws with the theory of evolution. Um, but let's say mm-hmm. for argument's sake that you know it is true we did evolve from monkeys. I don't think it's mutually exclusive. I think like it's. If, if, if God is an omnipotent God, like, he's the constant, right? He's, like, he's not a variable. Like, he's the grand constant. And that means he's omnipotent and all-powerful. That, that means very, it's very simply, if he has that level of power, that he can guide humanity through evolution. Like, that's, his, his hand can be over evolution. Like, that's, that's abundantly possible for such an omnipotent level of power when you can sort of gauge that and fathom that. So, I don't think they're mutually exclusive. I really don't. And I, I never have. Like, when I was taught this from a young age, I was like, I, like, I was like nine years old. I'm like, why are these separate? Like, it doesn't make any sense. 
that was, that was just my sort of viewpoint. And when I read the Martian Chronicles yeah. in seventh grade by, by Ray Bradbury, the there's a chapter on like the belief systems that basically like art, science, and religion were all the same. Religion was the belief uh, in divinity and the fact of divinity. And then science was the explanation for it, and art was the expression of it. Like, they, there were these three coexisting things that needed each other. Um, so I would give that a read as well. Uh, I think that'll open some eyes. Uh, same author as um, Fahrenheit 451, of course, by the way. Another phenomenal book. Oh, yeah, Ray Bradbury is incredible. It's amazing. I used to read a lot of his short stories when I was a kid. No oh, yeah. I haven't read any of his short stories, and I, I love I love the, the storytelling medium of short stories. That's why... <laughs> Because he had some short stories, and one of them was in this. Um, one of them was in a collection of short stories that were basically like oceanic horror stories. Ooh. And he had this one story about this amorphous blob that had come from like the dark, like the from like the darkest fucking abyss of the ocean. And I was like, this guy's writing is really damn good. And then we read Fahrenheit 451, um, like in high school. And I was like, wow, this guy's really, this guy's great. <laughs> Yeah, he's he's got his own aura of, of creation as well. That it's it's undeniable. When you read a Ray Bradbury book, you know it's like one of those guys. You could read some of the text, you not see the cover. There'd be no dead giveaway. It's just you read the text and be like, oh, that's Ray Bradbury. Same thing with Stephen King. You know, yeah. all, all, a lot of the greats have that quality. Um, wow. Whew. First of all, guys, thank you so much. Those are great questions. Uh, you never disappoint. And Devin, brother, thank you so much for being here. It's yeah, it's it's uh, it's a wonderful privilege. I really appreciate you setting your time aside for me and, and indulging me in this very enriching conversation. Likewise, I I appreciate you taking the time to come on and bear your soul and as you do, and share your story and share your wisdom. In the, in the essence that you do with the positivity and thumos that you do that more people need in their lives more people need the bard the role of the bard in their life but you are certainly the embodiment of that so thank you the honor has truly been all mine um, how can people find you how can people find you on the social media sphere and some of the things that you say I'm pretty much only active on Instagram Okay. So you can find me at Nature Pill. It's all one word. Pretty sure it's one word. Let me let me make sure it's not underscore. Yeah, it's all one word. Find me at Nature Pill. That's my account. That's what I do. Perfect. So that's the best place to reach me. If you're listening to this and you're at Oklahoma State University, you'll probably catch me walking around campus, or you can find me in one of the uh, either the entomology department or the um, room department. If you're in that neck of the woods, go say hi. Uh, go roll with him with yeah. jiu-jitsu as yeah. well. And, uh, but until then, uh, follow him at NaturePilled, all one word. Um, this is certainly not going to be the last collaboration uh, with, with, between Devin and Blood and Rain. Um, guys, there's a, there's a number of works in the works um, for Blood and Rain in the written medium. There are, I can say, by, by July 1st, the episode on July 1st, it will be episode 40 of the Blood and Rain podcast. There's a lot of podcasts ahead. There's a lot of written word ahead. There's a lot of side projects ahead. Um, 
so I'll keep you posted. I'll keep you apprised on all of that. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for all of you who have reached the end for taking the time to listen to Devin's luminous and enriching story. And until next time, good night and good storms. Thank you.